Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? A uh, wonderful uh, at-home episode with Rob Hubel. Uh, some exciting tour dates coming up, including new uh, Together at Last tour dates. That's the tour I'm doing with uh, Rob Bell. So if you'd like to come and see me and Rob Bell doing our kind of mix of, uh, I don't know, I don't really know how to classify it. It's a comedy show for sure. I'm there doing bits and stuff, but we're also kind of talking about, uh, I don't know, the meaning of life. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to put it. But tackling big, uh, fun questions, kind of like the third act of this podcast. And we do it live, and we do it with wonderful audiences. And it's some of the most fun I've ever had on stage. And it's really, really funny. And Rob is obviously somebody you have to see live. Very inspiring, very moving, and also very funny. So we have a great time together. So come check us out. Uh, Pete Holmes and Rob Bell together at last. We are going on uh, April 15th to Boulder, Colorado. April 16th, Salt Lake City. April 18th, Seattle. April 19th, Portland. That's all right now. They're all on PeteHolmes.com. And I also have a couple uh, stand-up tour dates as well uh, on March 14th coming up. I'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan for a live podcast and a live stand-up show. And then on April 24th, I'll be at the Moon Tower Comedy Fest with TJ Miller in Austin, Texas. So come check that out. This is an awesome episode with Rob. Like I said, we Rob Hubel. A lot of Rob's on this show. Uh, we recorded it in my house. It was such a fun time. I've been trying to get Rob on for a very long time. And the sponsor, I'm happy to say, is, is somebody who's been on the show and a friend of mine, Aziz Ansari, in front of a sold-out crowd live at the iconic Madison Square Garden. Unbelievable. Aziz Ansari is at his best in his second Netflix special, so check it out. He's known for his stand-up as well. Obviously, you know this as his TV and film credits, such as Parks and Rec and I Love You, Man. Aziz delivers his hilarious, sharp-witted take on topics ranging from the food industry to the struggles of American immigrants to why the only polite way to cancel on someone would used to be dying. Aziz Ansari, live at Madison Square Garden, is streaming now only on Netflix. Check it out. That is such a huge feat and a hilarious special, so go watch on Netflix right now. Aziz Ansari, live at Madison Square Garden. And let's enjoy uh, a colleague of Aziz, Rob Hubel from the Human Giant Days, a wonderful man, a wonderful guest. Get into it. Oh, one thing I forgot, guys. If you are in Los Angeles on March 16th, I will be at the Largo Theater doing a set alongside Anthony Jeselnik, Sarah Silverman, Matt McCarthy, and music uh, from Frightened Rabbit, Scott Hutchinson, one of my absolute favorites, all of my favorite comedians, and more. There's actually more people than that. It's going to be a great show. Come on out. We do it every month. It's always fun. For tickets, go to Largo-LA.com. Check it out. In fact, we've recorded ones on phones, like uh-huh. as a phone as a backup. So you have this, which is like a three hundred dollar piece of equipment. I don't know how much it is, but I'm guessing. Doesn't yeah. it look about three? <laughs> it looks yeah, around like yeah. <laughs> if, if you ran into me in That's Venice, like three hundred bucks, and I was like, "Come on, man, this is like three hundred bucks." Yeah, and I I'd, asked. Give you, I'd give you three hundred bucks. <laughs> it looks like a taser. It does look like a taser. Some sort of weapon. How are you on home security? That's something I actually think about quite a bit. Because you're here in my house, so now yeah. I have a house, which means there's more than one entrance. Yeah. And uh, Val lives here. Yeah. So I often, you know, kind of think, like, am I supposed to have some sort of yeah. system in well, place? Well, you have a dog, which is a good system. Um, it helps because it barks. That's my, all it's going to yeah, that My system is my pit bull and my German Shepherd. I, I feel like if you came into my house... 
you you would you would probably get killed. <laughs> you probably would get they killed. would love it. You probably would get killed. Like you think so? Like I think that the no bit. I think that the pit bull would probably kill kill them. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Well, we have a problem walking them. I mean, like walking this dog. He's a rescue that we found. What do you mean you found? He's really sweet. Well, um, you didn't find him on the street. You mean you found? Yeah, him? we found him. Well, we found him in a parking lot. Um, no, over by the Scientology place, and there was a there was a parking lot. Which one? The one on uh, the one by Sunset square or the by one square by? one? The one. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was a parking lot, and it was um, enclosed, and he and someone had just put him in there, and he could, it was an empty parking lot, and they had taken his leash and, and locked the, the gate, and he had been in there for like a few days, and so one of the people came out nearby, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that dog's been in there for like a week." Someone, no! just, someone just put him in there, and he was like, he looked like he was about to die. And we were like, what the fuck? He didn't have any food or water or anything. That's fucked up. Yeah, so we took him home, and we thought, well, we'll just get him back on his feet and then get him adopted. And you know, But there's so many pit bulls, like, people don't adopt pit bulls. So. Is that true? Because they're, like, aggressive? Well, uh, no, people do adopt them, but there are just so many of them. Like, I think there's more, especially in L.A., there's, like, more than any other stray dog available. So there's just so many of them. Yeah. And, um, so I thought, well, people know who I am, and I'll put them on Twitter and make it kind of funny, and people are like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, you mean they'll take them? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, like, people would be like, oh, cool, yeah, you know, what a cool dog, we'll take him. But yeah, I so, got rid of a, I sold a couch once, that guy might listen to this podcast, so I'm not saying this in a mean way. But, but I think come all over. <laughs> I had ejaculated on most of it. You don't get an L shape unless you're going to use the crease of the L in the appropriate That's American way. That's what it's for. Yeah. Ikea is a sex dungeon Fuck place. That <laughs> Fuck that L. Right in the crease. It's like a fat kid's elbow. It's yeah. very welcoming to a cock. <laughs> oh, Several cocks. <laughs> But uh, but so you sold the couch. I sold the couch, and and uh, this this isn't the brag. He's also a comedian, but yeah. I think he enjoyed that it was uh, my couch. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I don't. He wasn't like gushing or anything. I just think he was kind of like keeping it in the community. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I, I've had that same sort of thought. Like, oh, a fan oh, will so, enjoy. This. Someone will enjoy. This. I just sold my uh, uh, desk. I sold uh, a desk on uh, Craigslist. I never oh, wow. sold anything on Craigslist, and uh, it was like. I thought it was a steal, three hundred bucks, a couple pictures. Yeah. A couple days later, so everything you own is three hundred bucks. Microphone, couch, everything. If you'd like to buy that chair, I can quote you a price. Lickety split. I guess what it would be. Lick split. <laughs> but then, okay, so I put on Craigslist. Craigslist is a is a big community of yeah. sociopaths and psychopaths, yeah. and I'm like uh, selling this couch, and then the guy comes. And he, uh, he's like, hey, you look familiar. And I'm like, oh, I'm a comedian, right? That doesn't happen that often. I'm, I'm sure. being honest. So I'm like, that's kind of weird that he... And then he goes, wait a minute. You, you had that talk show. My daughter was on your show. What? Like, she was one of the actresses we used on the oh, show. Wow. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like... Of all the people, it's yeah. a very, very small show. I don't know. Is the league a big show? You're, you're on the. Um, the I'm, I'm on it every now and then. Yeah. Um, it is. Um, it I know is. you've done other stuff, by the way. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of a smaller show. Yeah, that yeah. You've done. I'm, I'm putting yeah, that show. That show is big, but you know, all. The, oh, it all, is. All, all, bigger than I. Um, yes, bigger than I imagined. Like now for, that I think about that. and like Shear, and Kroll. and Kroll, those guys, like yeah. that's what they get everywhere they go. I mean, mm. Think of all the things they've done. That's what they get. Like that's really interesting. Yeah, so I, th- I think that just has like a big uh, dude following. Yeah, I was just trying like, to think of like a, something else, like a that. parallel yeah. to you. Like you know me from VH1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you never know where, where people 
you know, because I've had people say weird stuff. People are like, oh, I still get VH1. Yeah. I still get, like, oh, yeah, yeah. best week ever. I'm like, fuck. You ever turn on a TV in a hotel? There's a good chance you're on it. Wow. Like, they re- there's no... They bought it out. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all non-union. So it's just, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not shitting on it. Yeah, it's all yeah. non-union. So I would love to shit on it. You'll see an old version of you, yeah. like a, a younger a version, younger, of handsomer version. Yeah, yeah, better skin. Exactly. Hair and what is going on? I was just talking to. I, I have to say his name. It's going to be a name drop, though. I was talking to Judd Apatow. He has a bit about this. Wait, why are we talking to Judd Apatow? <laughs> what about you? Did you talk about me? You know what I do. Melania and I do this it's one of the funniest things you go like so I had this meeting the other day yeah <laughs> it was supposed to be about me right but they wouldn't stop talking about you they, the whole meeting I'm saying like 80% of the meeting was them talking about how much they love you and they get all perked up and yeah. then and then you, and they say who was it and then you have to say somebody you have to throw someone under the bus <laughs> Like, somebody that nobody cares about. Like, usually another comedian or, or, or like, somebody that, like, you all agree on is... It's mean. It's a mean bit. But it's so... F- I did it to Joe DeRosa the other day, and his face just fell to the floor. The terrible thing is, is that I've had meetings like that where suddenly we start talking about, like, friends of mine. Yeah. People will be like, well, tell me about yourself. Like, where did you come from? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll start talking about, like, no, New York, yep. UCB... And like Wriggle or Cordery or people that I came up with, and they'll be like, "Oh, Wriggle's the best." And then the whole meeting's about Wriggle. You know, I've had that. Listen, I've had that a lot. I've had. Uh, I'm sure you've had this. Phone calls from big agencies, like back. I'm talking about like I, I just moved to New York. I'd only been doing comedy like five years or something. Yeah, yeah. So you see on the caller ID that it's APA. You're like, "Oh my god, this is it!" Like yeah. you think it's going to be like, "Get your suit, boy, or going yeah. in the picture." Yeah. And it was like uh, five minutes of small talk. So APA is all guys from the third. <laughs> Basically, can you ride a gigantic wheeled bicycle? You're in. How do you like slapping women? <laughs> I was just going to go to slapping women. How's your backhand? Front hand? Strong. It's an old Ronald Reagan movie where he slapped a woman. Really? That was like what people went to the movies for. They, they were like, I hope I see some of domestics with German wives and be like, you see? <laughs> he that, does it. That actually. <laughs> oh, you went with it increased it. <laughs> they do it too. <laughs> I went with even movie stars do. <laughs> Old Ronald Reagan. He goes, even future president, he knows. Future president Ronald Reagan hits women. I went with hopefully maybe they'd go to the movie and he sees the slap and he goes, that could be you. But like she gets it because she saw it. This is terrible. Anyway, so the call and then they'd go, do you have TJ's phone number? TJ Miller. Oh, come on. That would That's happened to me Jeez. more than once. And I'm sure, I well, let's. I know. First of all, I just saw. First of all, yes. Before we get into anything, I want to know what was your meeting with Judd Apatow about? Oh, Judd and I have to do like write stand up together and stuff. Oh, like cool. I'll, I'll hang out with him at his Largo show. Oh, great! Just give him. He doesn't need it, and I'm yeah. not just saying that because he's like one of the most powerful people in show business. <laughs> he doesn't need it. I watch him, and I go like, "That's funny." Like yeah, he yeah. took a little break from stand up, so he's he's like. How are, those, how are those live shows? His shows, yeah, they're great. It's like I he's like, I gotta, go. you gotta go. Yeah. The last time I went, well, how often does he do it? I, I can't. Monthly, remember. and sometimes okay. it's twice a month. There's one this Friday. Wow. So, like, it'll be Ryan Adams as the music guest, Sandler, 
Shandling. Jeez. It's great. David Spade. Like, just everybody. I'm trying. Norm MacDonald will yeah. be there. But basically, oh SNL reunions. The best people in the world. Unbelievable. And I'm forgetting. I don't know why I'm blanking. And then he'll do a lot of time. He takes questions. He plays around. Yeah. Like, you think he might be a little. Well, I, I, I he's was very in it. I was chit chatting with. Uh, <laughs> Sound like we're named. No, I know. I but no, I saw him host the uh, the late late show that he yeah. Go for, I was for, there. Oh, you were I must have been there the day you did, weren't. Oh, I didn't oh. go to it. Oh, I wow. just I saw I watched him do it, and uh-huh. then I just wrote to him uh, over email, and I just said, you know, I thought that was really great. And That's great. Yeah, I, I mean, he was just very relaxed or whatever. But um, he was. Yeah, it was super super fun. Uh, I think it's interesting, and we've talked. He and I have talked a little bit about this. Like, no matter what you do. Because you can't really do, do... Is this recording? It's not. This is the one now. Fuck this shit. <laughs> uh, so we think that this one's working. This one is working. I can see the lines. Hello, Alayla. We're doing this at my house. So that's that's why there's no Katie to make sure this, this stuff is working. It doesn't matter. We got it all. We got, <laughs> we got it all. all the gold. All? <laughs> Get all the yep. stuff. Us sucking Jet Apatow's dick. We got all that right. S it, S it every day. <laughs> Um, but the idea that like no matter what you do, and I'm sure this is true for you, no matter what you do, the arena, the the, the gladiator like you know showcase is a live show. Like you yeah. have to go out. You still do it. Yeah. You don't have. I don't even mean financially. No, I. I you I, don't have to do your UCB show. Yeah. Or well, all of them. Yeah. I mean, I do. Um, I do a couple live shows every week. Me and Sheer host a stand up show at UCB. Um, that's really kind of every other week. Sort of like. Um, uh, you know, crack. Well, you've done crack. Yeah, crack shows. Love it. Um, used to do it in New York. Yeah, and uh, and then we do an improvised show every week with um, a bunch of guys like Jack McBrayer and um, Riggle does that one sometimes. And then I, I just talk about Riggle for forty. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, the, I I don't get paid for those shows at all. You know, yeah. like all those UCB shows are free. But um, but I do it only because. Uh, it makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, it literally makes me feel good. You well, it's it's, it's uh, it works. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. The audience enjoys it, but then the wonderful thing about being addicted to your job, people are like, "Don't get addicted." I'm like, "No, go ahead and get addicted. Yeah. You can do it, and it does solve some part of you, right?" Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, you know, it is people. You know, say what you want, but I am, as I'm sure you are, addicted to getting those laughs from yeah. people. Whatever it is in your body, whatever the chemical it's is, great. I am addicted to that chemical. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's in the fam for me. I've never done cocaine, but they say cocaine and love are the same place. Oh, I really? think it's cocaine, love, and stand up or, or life, life yeah, performance. Tell my mom I've never done coke. <laughs> is that true? Oh, yeah, I've never done coke. But Terrified my, to but do my mom, you know, to this day calls me. And uh, I said, oh, God, I had a nightmare last night. I'm like, what was it? Oh, I dreamed that you were doing cocaine. And I'm like, Mom. That's so it's funny. It's so like 1980s, you know, uh, terror dream of my mom that like, oh, I live in Hollywood. So yeah. I'm doing, you know. We have to. But yeah. I mean. But, you know, a lot of people. A lot of. A lot of there's reason to be afraid, but, it's not, always, but not with me. Like, it's always surprising. I don't know anybody that does cocaine. Even people like T.J. Yeah. Miller, yeah. who kind of seems like he might do cocaine. Yeah. I don't think he, he doesn't give a fuck. He's a nihilist. <laughs> I'm just saying he's so high energy and so kind of yeah. wild. If you'd be like, he's a huge cokehead, people would be like, oh, maybe not cokehead. He dabbles. Yeah, yeah. I'm changing what I said. He dabbles. He doesn't. He doesn't yeah. do it. So nobody that I know does it. Yeah. But somebody's doing it. Yeah, I guess. I don't... I don't to me, I just don't know enough about that drug in particular. I mean, you know, all my friends smoke weed and every day do other stuff. Um, <laughs> but 
but and you know I do too but like I don't uh, I, I just don't there's some things that like you know are so bad for you yeah like oh that's well, maybe we came up in that. I think something happened to comedy that I like that favored maybe fellas like you and I. What do I work for APA? <laughs> fellas like you and I is the idea that we kind of turn comedy not into an office max. You know what I mean? But maybe into like a like a, like a little bit more of a cleaner office environment. You know? Well, that's like, interesting. Like more um, of a nine to five. Like I don't know if I can take any credit for that. I mean, <laughs> well, you so you don't do anything, right? Drug wise. No, I I, 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 I enjoy some marijuana Are cards. <coughs> It'll just take me out of the game for. Yeah, a I, I of thought days. that you were sort of uh, kind of not into any of that at all. Um, I there's you said be pretty anti weed. I feel like we skipped over something. Oh, we we're going to talk about home security. We'll have to go back. To oh, this. I wrote it down. Security. <laughs> No, I'm just gonna tell a story where someone. I was gonna tell a story where we'll we'll get back to it later. Okay. Uh, someone, someone. I was doing a show at UCB, certainly with with Sheer. Yeah. And uh, my phone rang, and it was my girlfriend then, now wife. And uh, by the way, I just got married. I know. Congratulations. <laughs> That's why we've been trying to do this for a long time, yeah, and then you yeah, finally had the best excuse, which was like, I can't. I'm getting I'm married. married. I'm stressed out. I mean, use it, man. Use but, uh, it. <laughs> so she called me when I was on stage with Sheer, and I felt my phone vibrate in my pocket. And just as a joke, on stage, you know, sometimes you're just winging yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take this call, Sheer. So I put her on speakerphone. This is like at midnight on a Monday. <clears throat> and she's like, and I'm like, hey, you're on speakerphone. I'm at UCB. And she's like, um, someone's pounding on the door at the house. And I'm like, okay, blah, blah. You know, I like try to make it funny or something. And she's like really scared. <laughs> you know, she like hangs up. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, so no. Sure, I got to go. So was the audience like, ooh. Yeah. Well, first of all, it was really dumb of me to like, you know, take her fear and like try to make a joke. I, like whatever it was I Do said. Do you remember was, the like, bit? Not, it wasn't funny at all. Like, just me being a jackass. Are you fearing for your life? And then, well, there's a guy pounding yeah. on her door, you know, Why? At, at our house. I don't know. So, uh, so I left and <clears throat> I went home and, um, there was just a drunk guy in the neighborhood, I guess that had, uh, we, there's a dark street right near us. And, uh, she actually called the cops and when the cops got there, by the way, that was fascinating. The LAPD are hilarious. <laughs> Why? Oh, man. These guys were so... They told us all this fucked up stuff. They were like, first of all, you know, they go, there's a really dark street right here. And a lot of times, guys go up there with gay prostitutes. And then the gay prostitutes don't do what they want, so they throw them out of the car. So this is probably just one of those guys. And I was what? Like, I was like, what? Like, I've never heard of that in my neighborhood. And we're neighbors, so that happens yeah. in my neighborhood. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, okay. So anyway, the theory was that this guy was just drunk and like pounding on the door, and <clears throat> you know, so she got still scary. She didn't say she, anything. She, or... she was like, "Who is it?" And he was like, "Help me! Help me! Help!" And so you know, it, it's it was really scary. She, Whatever you say in that situation yeah, is scary. It's, it's, free it's, candy. Yeah. Free candy. <laughs> Even scary. scary. No, I just made it worse. <laughs> free candy. Open the door. <laughs> But uh, but the good thing was is that uh, the the dogs were going nuts, so she felt very safe. So the pitbull was like, yeah, because the pitbull had been in the doghouse up until that point because he'd been misbehaving and everything, and we weren't sure if we were going to keep him. Thank and you for saying that, by the way. Can we? I'm going to write that down to talk about because that's something I just have been dying to talk about. What's up? Just what I feel like is the sheer terror, Paul Sheer terror 
of being like, am I going to keep this dog? Oh, yeah, that yeah. When I talk to every dog owner, but don't, 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 don't let me in. Oh, well, that was just it. So so that's where we kind of turned the corner with this dog. We're like, oh, great, we found this The dog helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, because she was like, oh, I wasn't scared at all because he was going nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, good. So, yeah. But, so back to the LAPD. The LAPD were just hilarious because they were like bumbling and everything. <laughs> I told us, <clears throat> the guy was like. Uh, he spilled coffee on the report. <laughs> he didn't even have a cup of coffee. Where'd the coffee come from? You <laughs> had a camelback of coffee. Doing a lot of jogging. <laughs> but he, uh, so he goes, well, here's my advice, guys. He goes, you know, you, you, you don't know this neighborhood that well. You know, there's a, this street right here is really dark. There could be gay prostitutes getting kicked out of, you know, yeah. suck, suck jobs or whatever. <laughs> suck jobs? He didn't say that. Oh, <laughs> she had. So he goes, I would get a gun. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably, I, I'd end up shooting myself, you know, if I got a gun. He was like, no, no, I tell everybody, everyone that's a law-abiding citizen should have a gun. This is the LAPD telling me this. Really? And he was like, and I was like, isn't that dangerous? And he was like, no, man. And he literally goes like this. He took his gun out of his holster. And he's like, this thing right here, he goes, I've dropped this thing getting out of the car like a million times. <laughs> I swear he said that. I was like, geez, man, tell me that. I mean, he just, they just sounded like two bubbly, yeah. bubbling, like... Bleed. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then he was telling me about Coke, about some Coke bust he was on. <laughs> Did he recognize I, you? Or no. he, just, <laughs> no, he was just telling me, he like, shoot war stories. And, uh, this guy couldn't even shoot the shit. <laughs> yeah. He dropped his gun. <laughs> That's a really good sign. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so then he's telling me about some coke bust and like how how they do the thing when they rub it on their teeth and yeah. to tell if it's how good the coke is and Wh- like, who rubs it on the, the undercover yeah, you know how the, yeah, yeah, yeah I've always seen that I never know what that the bag and they, they they rub it on their gums to see if it numbs their gums to see if it's like really good uh, it's, you know, yeah it's weird I don't think of my numbs as not as my numbs <laughs> I think of my gums as my numbs that's what your babysitter calls your gums <laughs> my num numbs where's your numbs <laughs> By the way, you live right by a daycare center. Can yeah. I say that? Is sure. It, am I giving, it's been am I said gonna, before. Am I going to get us murdered? <laughs> and I didn't know which your house number was. So I was walking up and down your street and I looked like I was here to kill kids. <laughs> All the kids. Yeah. Every kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh my your God. parents like definitely like whispering about me. I pull out of my driveway and I get a lot of glares. It's like a very, yeah. I, I get the feeling that it's very well to do high maintenance, like they they dress their children in like like basically fireman's apparel like like crossing guard (laughs) like the most reflective to quote my friend Steve O'Harvey they dress as things that are reflective (laughs) Play-Doh that's a Steve O'Harvey joke very funny guy Um, they they, uh, wear these is he in your relation to Steve Harvey? You know, I think his name is Steve Harvey, okay. but he went by Steve. He goes by Steve O. Harvey. Wow, Chicago guy. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, very, very funny. Um, but anyway, uh, what was it? Oh, where were you? You L.A. Oh, that. Sorry. So I'm done with the LAPD, I think. Uh, but so yeah, so their advice was for us to get a gun, and I said I'm not going to get a gun. And uh, what I did get was a, a medieval. Um, <laughs> this is gonna make me sound like a maniac. No, get into it. We got a. Uh, I did a shoot, and where one of the props was this big, like a mace. Yeah. Like a medieval club with fucking spikes. Like a heavy one. Yeah. Like a real mace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there are weird shops that make that. And so the prop master was like, "Oh, you should take this home." So I took it home, and I have that under my bed. 
That's so, so if funny. Breaks into my house. I have a mag light. That's all I have. Well, that would be the trick too. You shine the flashlight on. <laughs> say, Look at yourself. <laughs> Look at what you've become. <laughs> that's it. You don't hit them with it. <laughs> no. Just expose Just their expo- demons. Make them think about. Did themselves. you know that's why cops shine their flashlight in your face? Is because drunk people like can't not react. <laughs> Like, if you're drinking and driving, like, the first thing they do is shine the light in your face, and you think, oh, that's rude. Uh-huh. But really, he's trying to see if you're going to be like, come on, bro! Uh, like, like, wincing <laughs> and shrinking up like... Hey, man, I like my darkness! <laughs> you're holding a martini. Well, what is it, noon? <laughs> Get that artificial noon out of the face! All right, this guy's drunk. <laughs> I want you know, I don't... So, a, f- a friend of mine, Pat Walsh, was just on the podcast, talked about this, like, very compromising situation with his neighbor, and then he told me that his other neighbor has a shotgun, and he was like, if you ever have any problems, just call me. Like, don't call the cops. You can call the cops, <laughs> but I can get there much faster. I'll come over and shoot the guy. Jeez. And my friend was like, that really comforted me. That's actually... <laughs> what a great neighbor to Isn't have. Isn't that a good neighbor? <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't even have to do it. <laughs> But I also I've really killed like, plenty of people. <laughs> Why do you think these roses grow so nice? <laughs> Fertilizing with dead people. But like, even that, okay, because I'm on the fence with guns. When I'm drunk, drunk Pete, he wants a gun. Yeah. Well, let, let me, I, I'll say this. Shooting guns is really fun. I've done it at, you know, a lot of shooting places. Yeah. Not a lot. I've been to the one in Las Vegas. I've been. Uh, I went several to times. Yeah, yeah. On like you know, I was there with girls or something. Yeah, didn't work out. And so I've gone there and shot like you know, Uzis and you know, crazy machine yeah. guns yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so it's it's really fun. It, but it's also you just realize, oh, this is fucking scary. It's so scary. It's so much louder it's than terrifying. anyone ever told you. Yeah. You're wearing those huge like landing a plane earphones. Yeah, that's and, what they're called, landing. <laughs> Where'd you get those landing a plane earphones? <laughs> if you call them that, you're not allowed to rent a gun because you're there to kill yourself. <laughs> Actually, you know when we were when we were in Las Vegas, uh, the guy. Please don't tell me someone killed. No, himself. no, no. But they, they. But we asked about that. We were because you know we went in like a little separate area. A bunch of dumb comedians, and we had like a couple instructors. And yeah. So we went in there. We were goofing around. We we're like, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened? And they go, well, one time a guy came in and, and wanted to buy one bullet. And we told him to get the fuck out. Yeah. So, whoa. How obvious is that? Oh, can I have? I'll just need one. Well, he's down on his luck. He can only <laughs> afford one bullet. Things aren't going well. Yeah. If he could afford the clip, he wouldn't want to kill himself. I'll just take one. <laughs> I guess that's also good because, like, well, he's not going to kill all of us. Yeah, that's he's true. only going to kill himself. I couldn't relax. I went to the L.A. It's, gun it club or whatever. very tense. The whole time, well, there's just guys next to me. <laughs> it's like, bah, bah, Yeah, bah, bah. and they're into it, and they're, like, yeah. slapping the clips in, and I'm just like, what's to stop this guy? He's charged with adrenaline yeah. from turning and killing me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, so if I went with a group of friends, I'd feel better. I went <laughs> yeah. with strangers next to me. Drunk friends. Yeah. But you know, I also, as I was shooting a gun, it was, I only went once. It made me shake. I, 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 I guess I'm not supposed to be proud of that. I don't care. There was so much adrenaline coursing through me yeah. that I was shaking. I calmed down eventually. Uh, but then, like, I remember my friend, every time he shot, he'd shake his head involuntarily. Like, oh. I don't like this. Oh, wow. But then all I was thinking was, I could never even point a gun at a person. Yeah. Like, it's so... Like, don't think of it as a gun. Think of it as, like, a fleet of ships that yeah. you're, like, sending onto a kitty cat. It's so scary. <laughs> it's so scary. And, and it's so is, powerful. It is 
definitely going to kill you. It's That's definitely right. going to kill you. I don't know how people get shot and live. It, yeah, that shit I don't. I feel like I could. I feel like I could take it. You know, I, feel, <laughs> I could take some lead. I feel like you could. Um, but so you, if a cop... I'm, I'm always going to remember that, that a cop told you to get a gun. Yeah. I remember I saw this documentary where they were like, it was about gun-loving people. Yeah. Maybe that wasn't all of it, but that was part of it. And they were like, someone comes by your house, you call the cops because the cops have guns. So go- gun owners are like, well, we just have guns. Like, we just cut out the middle of it. Yeah. But even the shotgun neighbor scenario, I'm afraid he's going to come over and accidentally shoot me. Shoot himself. Yeah. Well, shoot a guy a, that was just that was just a drunk guy that was confused. Yeah, it's a matter of time for sure. Yeah. I, I think that if you have a gun, it is it's a matter of time happen. before you use it. I mean, you're not going to not use it. Right. You know? It's the eventually opposite, you're going to use it. It's the opposite of exercise it. equipment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You eventually are going to use this, and so I feel like. I mean, what do I know? Look, I've read people listening to this are going to be like, fuck you. I don't care. I mean, I don't think so. Well, by the way, too, like if I lived in uh, a a very rural area, I would feel differently. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I want it for protection or for hunting or, you know, like my brother hunts and kills, you know, animal. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, that's awesome. But uh, if, uh, yeah, for me, like, I feel like I would get killed by it. I feel like I would be. Uh, joking around with it and I'd be like oh yeah look at that everybody 90210 style yeah season one I didn't see that show. David Silver oh he really? did his friend that. died wait are you talking about the old 90210 or the more recent one the original okay I'm a purist <laughs> I don't I don't recognize <laughs> the remake <laughs> that did not do well right um, I don't know. I, I don't... Were you on that show? Why no. are you aware of that show? <laughs> I just don't know. Like, there's some shows that are not on my radar at all. That's yeah. one of them. I don't know. I don't even know what it's about. I know yeah. it's about... Beverly Hills 90210? They work at a post office. <laughs> just sorting mail. It's mostly zip code humor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. We got a 90227. <laughs> Get wrong, wrong code. <laughs> Okay, so I don't want a gun, but Drunk Pete wants a gun. You agree. We're not being anti-gun. I am just worried that, like Phil Hartman, you know, yeah. if you don't have the gun, you're, you're, you can't shoot your wife or right. your husband she or whatever. can't shoot you, yeah. Yeah. It's, when we got married, uh, we got, you know... Uh, you've, I was married. You've, you've been married. This is not my wife. Okay. Um, uh, uh, when we got married, you know, you get a bunch of nice gifts, which is very lovely. And, uh, one of the things we got was, uh, these, uh, very nice knives. And I jokingly said to my wife, I said, I wonder which one of these you will kill me with. <laughs> and then I thought about it after I was like, that's really like, I hope that she does not kill me. with." Yeah. <laughs> I started looking at him and I was like. Oh, God, these would really hurt. Yeah, yeah, of these course. Really oh, a stabbing? Oh, Why do we all kind of at least have a guess on what it would feel like? Well, because, you know, I've been bit by a dog. That's bad. I've been... Really? I've gotten a fish hook in my hand. You know, oh. you've sliced your finger, you know. Yeah. So, like, getting stabbed. It's oh. got to be bad. Uh, yeah. From what I've heard, you go into shock. But I think I'd rather get shot than get Oh, stabbed. for sure. Yeah. Nick Swartzen has a great bit about it where oh, he's really? like, with a bullet, you don't see it. But with a knife, you get stabbed. And you're like, you stabbed me. And then he goes... Here it comes again! Oh, like it's no. coming back. Like, Jesus <laughs> Louisa. That's the worst. Scariest weapon by far. Yeah. I want to talk about, I'm going to write down uh, wedding and, and marriage. That's all very exciting. Congratulations again. But let's talk Thank about you. the dog thing real quick. Yeah. Because what I was about to say was, every dog owner I know will tell you about the week of darkness 
where they were like sitting in some chair that used to be an easy chair. Now it's an uneasy chair. Are you sponsored by Uneasy Chair? <laughs> I take out a gun and just kill myself. One bullet. It only had one. I was that guy. With the idea that like you, I had it where I was like, oh, I think I have to get rid of this dog. Yeah. Like, I didn't. And I was like, why did I Instagram it? That was like one of my thoughts too. Going back to the other side of that, remember Ellen gave back a dog. Oh yeah, she got people, a lot of flack for people it. People yeah. really shit a shit a whole brick house. Yeah, and I understand. Why didn't she give the dog back? What was the story there? I'm afraid I don't know. I yeah. have to guess that some of these dogs are fucking nightmares. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We had Brody trained, and that made a world of difference. Yeah, and it wasn't just like sit and stay. It just kind of like got him to calm down a little bit. He stopped peeing inside. He's peed in like every room of this house. Yeah. And when you first get him, you haven't bonded to him yet. Yeah. Now we've snuggled, we've watched movies, we've gone on so many walks and all this. And like we've shared that experience. So now if he pees in the house, which he did the other day, I just wipe it up and it's no big deal. Yeah. But when you first get him, there's no hormone, there's no biological there's no tie. really connected to him. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I just let responsibility into my home. <laughs> into this house, yeah. And then he, I, I won't go on and on, but let's just say I'm, I'm a, you know, a patient person yeah. and a loving person. And I think, and I was trying my best with the dog, but I still hit a day where I was like, 100% we need to get rid of this dog. Yeah. Because he was always panicking. Yeah. You'd leave him in panic, he'd come home in panic. He was it's always hard. <clears throat> It's hard when you can get it. And what, what's his background? Is he a shelter dog? Or? He's a shelter dog. So we didn't, again, I get why people are like, you can't give him back because yeah. he needs you. Yeah. And I get that. But and it's hard when you're, it's like when you, if you adopted a kid... Yeah, I mean, this is not the same because the kids. But that's what people say. But like, if you adopted a kid and the kid ends up being like all fucking crazy and weird because he was raised in Russia, and a, yeah, in an orphanage. And I just was, watched Orphan. <laughs> it's a great seen, movie. I haven't seen good it. horror movie. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, yeah, it's hard because it's like, oh, this isn't really mine, and it's also, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. That's know? right. Because a lot of people get dogs that are like super easy. And great and affectionate right. and do everything right. Right. And I'm just jealous of those people, you know, because, like, we had this Pitbulls uh, specifically. It was just a lot of work. And, you know, it came with a lot of stuff that, oh, we didn't know he had that problem, you know. Like what problem? Like well, his whole thing. Angle. No, it's not even that. He's just very, um, he, he is uh, very protective of us. And which is very nice, except that it is like owning a tiger. It is like owning a tiger because he is like so, uh, so um, strong. He's so strong. And it's crazy, you know, like, so I had to take him to a few different trainers and we finally found the the right one. And uh, so now he's like calmed down and and, and everything. But, um, but yeah, there was definitely a time where I was, what did you do for training? Cause again, Here's what I've learned. I'm even, uh, what's the word, reticent? Uh When you're hesitant, but you want to sound smart. I was reticent reticent Mm -hmm. to share this, and I'm about to share it, was that we uh, put Brody in an overnight training thing where we got him. There's a great place called Cage Free Canines. Offers a two-week program where you leave him there, and they just like, it's not that he's being trained constantly, but he's hanging out with other dogs. You know what I mean? There's no cages, obviously, so he's romping and playing he's learning not to pee and then they train him for hours every day and then and then it took two weeks and then they needed a little bit more time like yeah. i'm telling you he was a spaz yeah like you couldn't leave for two seconds it'd fall a velcro dog they call it yeah but then what i learned was like 
everybody wants to tell you how to raise your dog. It's so scary. Yeah. I'm a people pleaser. So I'd go on walks and I'd be like walking in the middle of the road and a woman would come up and say hi to Brody. He's a very handsome dog. And uh, she'd be like, oh, he's so nice. Why are you in the middle of the street? And I was like, oh, he's a bit of a coward. Uh, there's some dogs that live over there, so we don't want them to bark at him. So we're walking in the middle of the road. And she goes, don't call him a coward. Like, just like, all I did was run into people like that. And then all I did was run into people uh, that would tell me like, oh, even if you get him trained, you're still going to have to retrain him when he gets home. Like, he's not going to remember. Like, people wanted to tell me that it was hell and that I was a bad parent <laughs> and that like what are you feeding them oh you can't can you imagine and I don't have kids but like yeah. can you imagine what it's like when you have kids They're, those people are out there times um, yeah exactly uh, and fucking giving their opinions about your kids like, so scared get so frustrating my so. mom and I would get in big fights because uh, I, which is so crazy to say she would just always be bugging me like over text like is Brody getting out enough yeah. I'm like as you saw we have a yard yeah that's more than most dogs. So we're yeah. throwing things and letting them play all the time. But like, just that sort People of dee, 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 dee. like, just why are you poking me? Well, also, I think that like every dog is different, and every dog will eventually figure out what his deal is during the day. Yeah, like our dogs know their routine now. Like, they, yeah, they know what the deal is. We do this, and then we do this, and then yeah. we do this, and this. But um. But yeah, for this pit bull, we actually, and I'm a little bit uh, reluctant to even bring this up because I'm sure people will be like, wait a second. But uh, we took him to a guy that, uh, and I'm a big believer in this now, they do e-collars. Do you know what that is? It's like people say it's a shock collar. It's not really a shock collar. It's, yeah. a, it's a little collar, has a thing on here, and you have a little remote. And so when your dog, um, right before they they start to freak out, where you can tell they're about to go into the, like with pit bulls, their head goes down and their ears go back and they start to like stalk a little bit. Yeah. As soon as he does that, I just give him a little, and it just vibrates on his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it just kind of like snaps him out of it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not really painful or anything. It just like reminds him like, nope, I shouldn't be doing that. Right, right, right. So, so this guy trained him with that. And so that's helped a lot. It's been really helpful. But, but again, all dogs are different. I mean, I, I'm with you. And even that, you being uh, hesitant to share that, I'm yeah. like, I we were told that you got to pull up on the collar and yank him because that's what a mom does when a puppy is misbehaving. It's kind of give him a little bite on the neck sort of thing. Yeah. It sounds so inhumane to us, but it's not humane. He's a dog. Yeah. It's in dog game. Well, that's the thing is that people, uh, a lot of people treat dogs like babies or like kids. Dogs are not used to that at mm-hmm. all. Like I'm not a, first of all, I'm not a dog expert at all. My, yeah. My wife gets mad at me all the time because I always talk like I know what I'm talking about. But you do realize that they are animals and they are pack animals and they respond to hierarchy and they need to be told exactly what to do. Right. And then they need to be given parameters. Like you have to tell your dog, this is acceptable. This is not acceptable. Right, right, right. So we try to keep, especially this pit bull, just because he's so strong, we try to keep him in like a very... So funny that he's uh, so strong. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you walk him, it used to be really like like going for a jet ski ride. Like he, he used to pull so hard. It was crazy. So... Now, like, uh, he's, he walks right by my side and really? he, he makes eye contact with me. He does like exactly what I want him to do. And, um, and it's great, you know, but it took a while for him to, to get there for sure. So dog, 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 By the way, this dog segment is not very funny. It doesn't have to be funny. But we're sponsored by Petco and, uh, uneasy chair. But the idea that, like, I had never had something in my life where I was, I felt so trapped 
And I don't feel like enough people talk about that. Where I was like, I want to give this dog back. I don't have the heart to give the dog back. Yeah. And then I don't have, I can't deal with everybody asking me, where's the dog? People tweeting at me, where's the dog? Oh, people yeah. finding out that I had given them the dog back. And like hating me because I tried to do a good thing and then couldn't handle it and then gave it back. Every once in a while you do meet people that gave a dog back. And they're very kind of unapologetic. I couldn't do it. Yeah. First of all, I, I don't think I could have even done it when I wanted to. Like, I couldn't put him in the car and be like, he gets so happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's yeah. in the car and we drive him back. Why is that? Dogs love to ride in the car. It's almost like, oh, yeah. I don't have to do the work of a walk. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You roll down the window, they're just like, yeah, I get to sit here and smell everything? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of smelling. Oh, it's like so when a, a security guy offers to help you find your car in a big garage because you can't find it. No one has had That's that experience. Happened. That's no happened. one has had that experience. <laughs> wait, you, wait, you've lost your car in a garage. I feel like I've seen that in a show. Okay. I've also considered it. <laughs> <laughs> I've considered so it's asking. sort of like it's sort of like taking the thing through the airport like when they're driving yes yeah, exactly the beep beep, beep. Yeah. the beep beep card yeah. it's a golf cart that got a those, haircut those they, people are dogs <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about getting married let's talk about have that. you talked about it on a podcast um, I haven't podcasted in a while, um, as the as the listener will tell. Um, um, yeah, this guy seems rusty. <laughs> this guy seems a little rusty in his podcasting skills. Um, I don't know that I've talked about being married. I mean, I just got married like a month ago. I got married wow. the, where uh, the end of January in Santa Monica, and uh, and uh, you've been married. Yeah, yeah, one time, just once. Yeah, and how was that? You know, the thing that I'd say that was sad about my divorce. Was that I was really enjoying it, like, oh. but I had a very underdeveloped sense of what a relationship could and should be. Yeah, I had very bad boundaries with my family. I had very, uh, I had no sense of being a man. And I don't mean that in the gender way. I just mean like being uh, an adult is a better way to put it. Sure. I'm watching Transparent, so I actually got a little, oh, okay. a little flare <laughs> when I said being a man. I just mean being an adult, yeah. like being in an adult relationship. And treating her like an adult, I treated her like a baby. She treated me like a baby. It was like baby marriage. So then, when she we got divorced, it was sad. But it was it, everybody says this. A lot of people say it. It really was great. It woke me up. Wow. And now that I've had you know this one included real adult relationships, I realize how fucked up the whole thing was. Yeah. But if you ask twenty six year old Pete, who had been married for four years at that point. I would say, I love being married, yeah. but then I'd say something really unromantic, like, it just takes it off the table. Like, <laughs> isn't that the worst thing you could say? It just kind of like, is. it checks the box and you oh don't have God. to worry about it. And then I'm like, and then you can do I shows. Think, I don't think you could say that. You can't say that. I used to say that to her, in front of her. Oh, I, man. I didn't understand that that might be the least romantic thing you could yeah. say was... I love it because it just it satisfies the need. I found my partner. She tolerates my comedy habit. She doesn't get in the way. She's a good friend. We watch movies. Back in the day, these are like DVDs and eat pizzas. You know what I mean? We love DVDs and we love pizza. Yeah. Marriage is great. <laughs> That's basically what I thought it was. Yeah. And, and I still was like living off my parents to a certain extent. So like I was not a grown person. I yeah. was 22 yeah. years old. Wow. I was 22 and I got a job waiting tables at Bennigan. So I, I wasn't grown. Man. So, yeah. Well, yeah. my little brother got married when he was 24, I think. And he's still married. And oh, he's, wow. Uh, he's like 41 or no two. No way. Yeah. Religiosa? 
Um, uh, uh, I mean, we were... Re- <laughs> we can get into that. We'll, just, we'll get into that later. That, that we always end on the God thing. <laughs> I'm just wondering if yeah, he was... No, I was in the camp with, I slept with her, I should make Oh, her. no, no, he's not, not not like that at all. Okay. No, no, no. He's, uh, he, uh, no. He, he just, they dated, like, uh, all through college, I think, and they were just in love, you know, and then they started having kids, and then, like, uh, but to his credit, like, you know, he's been married a long time, and, um... Yeah, he's just figured out uh, that that's the person that he yeah. wants to be with. And, like, you know. I sometimes wonder, the main feature of the young marriage is that you've shut yourself off, almost like a cult, to the idea of other people. Yeah. Of novelty or whatever. Or, like, whatever body type she is, there's other body types. Whatever other personality type she is, there's other personality types. And if you just kind of don't really know, <laughs> then, I honestly, I mean yeah. this sincerely, I'm kind of like... There is a little bit of a currency there where you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to know. Want to think about it. Yeah. Well, my little brother, I think, I don't know how I turned the podcast about him, but uh, <laughs> I mean, my parents got divorced and I think he, it affected him maybe uh, uh, in a way uh, emotionally harder than, he was the youngest. So I think it just hit him harder. Oh, yeah. So I think when he got older, you know, and got out, I think he like wanted to be, like knew that he wanted to be married and knew that he never wanted to get divorced. Yeah, so I think that that's a part of it. Also, it's know? so funny. That's that. Um, it was George Harrison's wife. I've said this many times on the podcast. It's just such an interesting quote. She said, "Because George Harrison was a known lover of the ladies, sure. even when he was married." And they asked his wife, uh, or she said in that um, Martin Scorsese uh, documentary, it's very good. Two parts, very yeah. good. She says, "What's the key to?" Uh, a successful marriage, and she says, "Don't get divorced." Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. But it also, what were you going to say? That well, no, I mean, it seems like it's true. It seems like don't get divorced. Well, you just, I think you, to some degree, you choose, right? You know, unless something awful happens. And it's really interesting to me. Well, my wife cheated on me. That that, that was my kind of easy easy out. It was yeah. simple, cut and dry. But there's something I've done some reading recently. It's actually Joseph Campbell who comes up a lot on this. Who's the myth guy? He, yeah. he loves the mythology of everything. And the mythology of marriage is kind of this choice to believe in this certain ceremony, this yeah. certain kind of idea, this platitude that we're going to both participate in, and and not that sort of like yeah, but that's horseshit. You sure you're going to love him forty years? Yeah. Like you're not. You don't understand. Yeah. Like this is. This is a choice to believe in a thing. It's not thinking she's always going to want to make me pancakes and give me a, a suck job in that dark alley by your house, <laughs> holding a gun. <laughs> that you would know be what I mean? Great. It's not. It's not. A, a lot of people put down marriage. I think saying you're a fool to expect infinite bliss. Yeah. And then I think it sounds to me like people that are pro-marriage, like your brother and stuff, just go like, no, I'm into this idea as, as a cultural thing. We do fall in love. Everybody knows that people fall in love and that like pairing up feels good and stuff. So what, what did it mean to you? Well, I think that uh, I think that you're right. I think that you uh, certainly it's not for everybody. Like my dad, like uh, should never have been married. Like my dad, <laughs> like he, my dad says my, my mom will tell him my parents are older now, but my dad. Um, my mom will say like, you know, your father once told me blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Like he said, like, just like what terrible said, stuff. Like, well, just stuff that was not, um, Oh, kind of like what I said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like, like sometimes my dad will say things that he just doesn't realize like, Oh, you know, like he, he told my mom, um, one time like, well, you know, you don't have to be married to be happy. 
And like just things like that, where yeah. it's just like you know, where it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't really say that to the person that you're married. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my dad was like a fighter pilot, and sort no of no way. Uh, yeah, but like, to, and then and then flew for the airlines, and just sort of, um, he's just one of those guys. It's like it's not even a knock on him. It's just like he was not built for marriage, even. right? Um, kind of in the way that when I didn't know any better, like the reason I mentioned that I said it in front of her was that I was proud that I had figured out why marriage felt good to me. Yeah. Was that I was like, it's a stress, it's an anxiety reducer. I found the person who pledged themselves to me, but kind of like your dad, I didn't know that I was saying something that you should keep to your fucking self. <laughs> yeah. And also if you feel that way, you should really reevaluate <laughs> Before you get married. Yeah. But I think that, um, so I don't know, you said, what, what does it mean to us or whatever? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, I don't know exactly what, you know, I, I don't pretend to, I, I got married later in life. I'm 45, you know, and so I'm the oldest person. I'm the last person, you know, from my group that, uh, well, that's not exactly true, but like from most guys around my age, you know, have, have either been married or are married, but, um, uh, so I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, and mm. I think that's hopefully part of the fun. You know, I think it hopefully will be surprising and different. I hope yeah. as we go along. Um, but uh, yeah, we—it's something that you choose to believe in. Yeah, I, I think, and yeah. like we have both decided to believe in this. You know, right. that two people are better than one, and so um, you know we're trying to join forces. And sticking together is better than the endless pursuit—a hedonic sort of pursuit yeah, of novelty because you, you realize at a certain point that that will never end mm -hmm. there, there, there is a there will always be a new batch of attractive humans yeah, yeah. coming along that like will be distracting and like right. that will never really, ever end you know? well that's kind of weird let's let's talk about some weird reasons why people get married maybe subconsciously one is that you're like you're 45 which is still it's nobody thinks that's old it's just like but the idea that in 40 years you'll be 85 yeah, yeah. that's one of the things that's kind of in the background is like you'll you'll be with me we both know we're decaying I'm already I wrote down a hand because I have this weird bump on my hand like an inflamed tendon oh, God. I'm that just like awful <laughs> The listener could only see uh, this terrible It's hand. barely anything. It's barely anything. I should wear a hook or <laughs> You mean I should just sever this and get a hook? Just put a hook? Just give up. Just give up right now. But the idea that, like, I'm 35. No. Yeah, I'm 35. I'm at that point where it's kind of like you start to see... I, I We have an elliptical. I was on the elliptical for 13 minutes today. Good job. Before I was like, fuck this shit. I have an elliptical in my garage that I would have given you. I just don't have space for it. That I, I used to use in my old place. I wish I'd known you were... I'll give you mine and you can have two. <laughs> then we can race. To nowhere. to nowhere. The worst race in the world. But there's that feeling of like, well, you see your parents and you see what where we're all headed. And then you're like, it's nice to pair up, you know, before the music ends sort of oh, thing. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I, I think that... I'm sure you didn't. That, that doesn't it, belong it is, in your vows. because I always wonder, because I don't think of myself as old. Like in your brain, you know, I think most guys are like this. I, you know, I don't recognize how old I might seem or appear, you know, in your brain, your brain is always like an 18 year old guy, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. with, with flashes of insight and flashes of like, oh, I'm learning this about myself and I've now learned this much, but still like in my brain, I think like not 18, I'm sure, but like, you know, you think 20, you are, 24, 23, 24 yeah, is the age you know, I think I yeah. am. And so your brain is just sort of stuck in that. And so I don't realize that like, oh, I wonder if she thought... 
oh god, I got like thirty years with this guy, and then he's gonna be shitting his pants. You know, like I don't, I don't think that way, but like I wonder if other people because that's funny because me and my girlfriend will say things like uh, uh, I'll love because she's ten years younger than I am. Yeah, yeah, my so, wife is eleven years younger than me. There you go. I'm not an idiot. We're not gonna. He <laughs> just tried to high five me, and I left him hanging. I will not high five. You almost did. I thought about it. Because you're so thoroughly trained in the art of improv <laughs> that you can't. It's yes hand. I'm not going to high five that we that we are both with people significantly younger. Than uh, it's, yeah, I, I happen to. But fall. I'm not an idiot. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love with her. She happens to be ten years younger than me. That wasn't like I wasn't like check and check. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, we make jokes that when I'm 85, she'll be 75. So that's going to be me just kind of like yeah. coughing up the You're phone book. Be pissing in your house and your dog is going to be like, oh, <laughs> this guy, I yeah. wish I could take him back. <laughs> I will say the dog helps me surrender to the idea that anything is anything. Yeah. Because he'll pee on anything and you're like, it's just a thing. Yeah. You know it what I mean? doesn't love me back. That thing does not love me. <laughs> oh, even mean that I mean like the floor of my house is just a thing oh yeah but you do get that feeling that sometimes I'm like you just love food <laughs> listen if I if I have a heart attack in my house I have no problem with the concept of my dogs eating me yeah oh and yeah. I think that they might I think that they I don't know that my <laughs> wife would allow it but but she might, she might just you know what I was thinking about this the other day do you think this would be a cool thing because I, I I wonder if you could start this business where um, you know how people like to be buried in extravagant ways or cremated or you yeah. know, they'll put your ashes in a giant helium balloon and just send it off or whatever. Is that a thing? That's a thing, yeah. People will put you in a you know a medium-sized helium thing and just send it off into the stratosphere. And... To go kill a dolphin with your dead body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sea turtles will choke on your balloon. But, um, but what about... One last animal murder. <laughs> but what about once you die, if my company can come and get your body and then we'll take you out to the woods and let the bears eat you. Like just let just let the creature wolves, whatever <laughs> take it in Yellowstone. Well you have the wolf package. Yeah. The yeah, bear yeah, package yeah, exactly. is significantly so it's more. Like, it's just like recycling you. You know, it's very green. It's For four hundred dollars we'll airlift you to a forest fire and drop you in. <laughs> yeah. That's cremation. Yeah. That's not the way nature intended. Yeah. I mean the problem with this company is that there would be Remains of loved ones everywhere. You know. <laughs> there already are. Ashes, Just fucking heads. All <laughs> bears are very picky. They're like children and crusts. Uh-huh. That's how bears are about heads. Really? They'll eat everything but the head. But the head? Oh, <laughs> That's not true. I wonder if there are a lot of like, you know, if if there are like a lot of remains of people around, like ashes and stuff like. Well, that. it's weird to think six feet below us. There's got to be bodies. You think so? Yeah. I, just, I mean, think off, of how is, long people have been totally on this planet. Off topic, and it sounds like yeah. we planned this segue. <laughs> but I sold this idea to Comedy Central that I'm going to write as a script, and hopefully we'll get to shoot. But it's this bit that I used to do called "Do You Want to See a Dead Body?" I don't know if you've ever seen it. I shot like five or six of them for uh, for uh, Funny or Die. A, 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 a HBO Funny or Die had a little sketch show on HBO called. Um, uh, like Funnier Die presents, yeah, it was sort of a weird mishmash of some sketches and stuff. So um, I basically got to shoot this bit called "Do You Want to See a Dead Body?" Where every week I would take a different celebrity to go on a quest to find a different 
dead body that I knew about. And it was never explained like how I knew about it or where they were always killed in the same way. <laughs> we don't we don't know how they were killed, if I'm involved or whatever. It's just like a little mini stand by me. So yeah, I get like, it. So so we did one with Ben Stiller, we did one with Deepak Chopra. No way. Yeah, we did one with like Warren Sapp from the NFL who was just arrested for being with prostitutes. Uh uh, but so, uh, it was so fun. And so we did, it was like five years ago. And so I just went into comedy central and pitched that as a show where in a half hour, you know, maybe we do a couple of them where it's a, you know, a couple different guests every week. Right. And, they, and they're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll really? It. Yeah. So I'm going to write it. That's great fun. It. Yeah. I, 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 I'm already concerned that we're going to like have to explain it so much. We lose the fun. You know well, what I mean? Well, that was part of uh, when we went in there, I had all of these sort of, you know, you have all these answers in your mind in case they have questions. And yeah. Right away. Kent was like, uh, cause I said like, you know, and, and maybe I, I know how the bodies are found because blah, blah. And Kent goes, no, 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 no. It's funnier if you don't know, if we never know. Yeah. And I was like, good. I'm glad you did. Kent's a good guy. Yeah, he's like, he's on our side. I appreciate that. Yeah. Very, very much. So how did you meet uh, your wife? My wife, uh, my wife. I was just going to do wait, it. I do it all the time. I mean, I said yes. hand earlier. Good job. <laughs> Um, I think that's stupid jokes I like. I, mean. <laughs> I met my wife um, uh, through Children's Hospital, actually. the uh, I was on Children's Hospital, and... Yep, very funny. The guy, thank you, the uh, the guy that was directing that week was Rob Schraub. You know Rob Schraub? I think so. And um, he directs a lot of um, network stuff now, like Community, and he's actually going to direct that Lego sequel. Oh, really? just announced. Oh, yeah. cool. But so he was directing Children's Hospital, and his wife was on set that day. His wife? His wife. <laughs> And, um, and I'm friendly with both of them. And I happened to mention to her, I was like, oh, you need to set me up with like one of your friends. And she was like, oh, I know this girl you should meet. And so basically it was a friend of a friend. Oh, fun. Said, yeah. First date? First date. Um, straight went, to fucking. Straight. <laughs> it was like, suck job. Suck job. Um, I know a dark alley where we can later buy a home. Well, you know, I messed up because um, I told uh her friend, I said, okay, so introduce us, but don't make it weird. Like, I don't want you to, you know, don't, don't, don't put a lot of pressure on. Yeah. So she said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll get a lot of people to come over to my place to like watch movies and eat pizza or something like that. Yeah. So I go over and there's a lot of people there, Steve Ag and all these other people. Real ham and egger. Real ham and egger. And, um, <laughs> and so I met her. But she was like really tired and like not really into me at, at all, and like it fell asleep. And I was kind of like, this girl's hot, but she's not cool. Like yeah. she's, you know. And so, uh, come to find out that her friend didn't tell her at all. Like, like I, I took my advice that too much. Cool. Yeah. Like, didn't even say like, oh, there's this guy who wants to meet you. Blah blah blah. Like, didn't tell her anything. So you were just. A I was fella. over there, just a weirdo, like kind of like trying to be weird and like thinking that she knew that I wanted to meet her. Yeah. And, hey, maybe we should go out. Blah blah. blah. She had no idea. So anyway, she never knew about this. And then cut to like a year later, we're living together. And she was like, isn't it weird how we just met? Like yeah. the universe just brought us together. Yeah. And I was like, no, we were set up. She was like, what? Steve Agee is your God. <laughs> yeah. She was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we were set up. Well, like, you told her a year I later? told her, yeah. And she was like, 
you know, bummed out that we didn't just meet naturally and she pissed off that, yeah, that I, that I asked to meet her that way. You know, the whole thing was just, you know, disappointing. So, yeah. But I mean, isn't that kind of romantic? You're like, I think so, but it's also funny. Yeah. And also she didn't know. Right. So she did have the free will. Yeah. You were predestination. She She was free will. She had every opportunity to say no. Yeah. But um, but our but our wedding which we just had and then we'll get off of this. We, no, please. We just had. Oh, uh, I love talking like about this. Stuff. The most fun. Um, Henry Winkler married us. No way. From Children's Hospital and uh, and we weren't really sure how it was going to go and what to expect. And God bless him, he took it super seriously. Like we met with him and like had lunch and he like took all these notes and we had several emails. And this is so heartwarming. Emails. And he showed up on the day. We got married like in the round. We had like a uh, like you know sort of a sort of a little stage or whatever. And then we had everyone sort of around us in a circle. That's great. What a great idea! And it felt very intimate and like um, it was great. And uh, and he just he had written like all this stuff. And he he just he was so prepared. And he had this like awesome story about marriage and what it really is and it was funny and it was touching and yeah the whole thing was just great and then we we took a moment to which we kind of just like talked about right before but we right before our vows we just sort of said that we wanted to look at everyone so we just literally pivoted around the whole room and just sort of like stared at everyone you know just to see you know, everyone looking back at you. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember from the whole thing. Of course. Everything else is such a blur and it is, you're going through it and you know that it is the most important decision you've ever made. Yeah. And so it becomes this surreal moment, you know, but that, that's the little time. I love that. Yeah. It was neat. I like Bo Burnham will have everyone in the audience crack their knuckles. And then he says, that's the only thing you're going to remember from the show. Isn't that, it's so true. Like just something weird like that to just stop and take you out of it for a second. Have everyone take their cell phone out. Like thousands of people and everybody did. And that's what I remember. He was a magician. Don't remember any of his tricks except that. Yeah. And he said, that's all you're going to remember. It's true. And so I think that's a great thing because we have such a hard time, especially on your wedding day. Which is, you're supposed to be so present. It's supposed to be this greatest day of your life, or at least one of them. Oh. And then all you do is you go, you're worrying about the cake, and it's going to melt. It's such bullshit. I want to fucking, <laughs> like, take every, you know, wedding in, industry person to, like, you know, fun court. And, like, sue. It's so, it's the worst industry, you know? Like, yeah. When you say that you're getting married, like, to a florist or whatever, everything just goes up. And yeah. Then, like, it's so gross. Oh, God. And we were so stressed out about it that, like, I don't know, it, it when it ended up, as soon as it started, we were, like, psyched. Like, it was just, because it's just, frankly, a relief that it's going. That it's happening. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. All this fucking planning and talk and all yeah. the fights. I mean, we're fighting about dumb, dumb shit. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, like, like invitations. Like, I care what our invitations look like. You know, but then it would come down to it and I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, I have a real opinion about this. You know? <laughs> and she was like, fucking shut up. Like, you, your opinion does not matter. And it doesn't. Like, yeah. why is the guy talking right. at all? I feel like, like I just saw a movie where they say weddings aren't for... Aren't for guys. Oh, it's top five. They go, weddings aren't for guys. They're oh, for the girl. It's true. I, I, I certainly see that it can be true. I hope our, you know, if, if we got married, that our wedding would feel 
calmer, but that's everybody's home. Well, it, 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 the whole thing depends, I think, on the degree to which the parents are involved. Like, you know, Jesus uh, Christ, because like it's hard to just go off and do a wedding by yourself. Exactly what you want to do. Yeah. Because people have opinions and it's, it's like raising a dog or yeah, raising a baby. Exactly. Like everybody yeah. wants to get everyone has an opinion. And so it becomes a sort of other thing. Um, we, were, we were lucky that even though ours was like kind of bigger than what we want. It ended up having the right amount of us in it. So yeah. it felt like something that we really appreciated. Yeah. It wasn't just something for our parents or whatever. Yeah. That's great. And did you do everything kind of traditional? Was there like the first dance and the um, cake eating? Yeah. I mean, we didn't get married in a church. We got married um, by at, at a hotel. By <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but there were, you know, she didn't, she, she had very strong opinions about things that she didn't want. And she's like, I'm not throwing a fucking, I'm not throwing the bouquet. Like I'm not doing, I'm not wearing a garter. I'm not going to yeah. fuck it. You know? Yeah. yeah. And my wife is a sailor. It sounds like, but, um, so she knew kind of what she didn't want. Want, she just tugs on a huge rope <laughs> at the end of that. I'm not wearing a fucking guard. But, but you know, we, um, um, it, it ends up being like um, just ex- the, the right mixture of things that you sort of throw in there. Because we sort of sat down and we were like, well, what do we want the ceremony to be? This can be anything. You yeah. Know? And we thought, well, we should have like a prayer. So like my one, I have a one brother that is pretty religious so I thought okay we'll have him do a prayer yeah and then uh, and then we'll have like you know a friend of ours sing a song and like and that was awesome and then you know you just have like different things and we had yeah. different readings yeah like, just short like a couple of them were funny and like I'm such a girl as you're saying this I'm kind of like oh we could ask this person to do a song dude, and this it person is, do a reading it, it is so fun and, yeah. and the crazy thing that blows your mind is when you know, I mean, you've been married. When you look out there and you see that all of these people are gathered there to like support you, yeah. And it's the only time in your life when that will happen because the only other time they're all going to be there is at your funeral. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like, and then it's only twenty percent. Yeah, it's all the non all the non smokers and all the, the non vegans and non partiers. <laughs> um, but you know, it's so so it is really uh, it makes you feel so honored to, that that all these fucking people yeah. would show up. But that and, see that's a, that again goes back to Joseph Campbell. Joey Cams talks about like the point of the wedding is the public expression of love and everybody to be there to be like we see this. It's like a wake. Yeah, there's the body. The person's dead. Funeral's the opposite. There's the couple. They're alive. Their love is alive. We will back them. And the idea, like in India, it's a three-day celebration. They have three. You have to block out three days, so two travel days on either end. That's Jeez. a work week to go see your third cousin get married. You know what I mean? Like, who fucking cares? But that, as he says, that wedding is cemented yeah. because you can't kind of be ma- like. I, I you keep bringing up mine, so you make me think about it. Mine was just getting it out of the way. Yeah, it really was. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, who cares that we got divorced? It still was painful that I got divorced. But like we were just like people were in short sleeves. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like I didn't even wear a tie. Yeah. It it was fucking stupid. Well, there's all kinds of, you know, there's all it doesn't have to be, you know, it can be whatever you want. I know, but I didn't I didn't wear a tie in a way because like I didn't own a tie. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I own ties now. So if I don't wear a tie, it's because I don't want to wear a tie. And I get that. Like you can be casual. But like, it, not because you don't own a tie. Right. Like I don't have a tie, so I'm not but wearing you a tie. You, certainly, you could have bought a tie. Sure could have. Yeah. With my mom's <laughs> money. <laughs> um, so sad. What does she do? What does your girlfriend do? She is on the news. Um, here She's on the news. Yeah. 
Oh, really? I'm just getting my phone. Um, Please, because I just want to know how long we've gone. We've um, gone one hour. Do you have a great. out? Um, not really, no. Okay. Um, sure. We usually go about two hours. Okay, great. Um, the uh, Yeah, she's on the news here in Los Angeles. She oh, is, wow. She's on, she's on the, a morning news show, and uh, what that means is we have to, she has to, we, I don't do this. I she wakes up at two in the morning to go to work. So she goes to bed at like seven o'clock at night. Shut yeah everything yeah and that's kind my of when shut, shut your butthole butt shut your butthole interesting can I interject right here and yeah. say do you get a lot of people going oh but Everybody. Rob that's when you go out for shows when oh. do you see your wife like when do you yeah what do you get from everybody well um, well people are really fascinated with her schedule because she wakes up at 2 in the morning she goes to work at 3 she's on the air at 4.30 and then she's done around like 9 in the morning mm-hmm. so um, not bad. Not not a bad schedule because she has the day. Are we napping? The problem is she doesn't really nap because it'll fuck you. Uh, it fucks your up. You have to schedule. stay tired. So she has to like stay tired so she can go to bed at like seven. Yeah, o'clock. yeah, yeah. So what happens is by like Wednesday she's a fucking zombie. You know? Yeah. And also, no matter what happens, you can never really adjust to going to bed at like seven o'clock because you're yeah. not a baby. So <laughs> the sun is still up. So you're like, Rob, oh, you married a baby? I married a baby. <laughs> I married a little baby. Help! Um, I married a baby. <laughs> that's a movie. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you can never really, she never really gets good, good sleep. Uh, and so it, it affects everything. But she gets time off. Um, the weekends? Not really, not really. Yeah, she does. She gets the weekends off. But That's you know, not But no, enough. she's super tired. You know, we're going away this week. We're going to go to Colorado this week um, just for a few days. But like, yeah, she's really tired all the time. You know? mm. But uh, and, and but yeah, so it's seven o'clock at night. I could go out and, you know, twice a week I do go out and do shows and um, but the rest of the time I'm like home and Kicking I, it. I try to fucking party in my couch. Fuck that L-shaped couch. Yeah, put your dick right in that fat kid. I will wedge my dig right right in there. You dig my dig. But um, when you put your dick in something, it becomes a dig. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> it's true. That's an archaeological site. Maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck this dig. <laughs> when I fuck dirt, I call my dick a dig. There you go. I already tweeted it. So I'm don't fascinated by. It. There's a hummingbird that you are so jaded about there there's a hummingbird that has been outside your window for about an hour and where obviously in this stick oh right there, there he is yeah and obviously he comes around here all the time so you are not blown away by it no 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 it's like seeing a <laughs> dragon <laughs> it is pretty amazing the um the other thing i wanted to talk to you about yeah and, and at the risk of sounding like joe rogan is that this Past week, I just went to a float tank. Have you done that? Oh, I thought you were going to say, at the risk of sounding like Joe Rogan, why do you have this Batman cartoon panel on your wall? Um, No, Joe Rogan is really into float tanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has one in his house. Yeah. I've done that a couple times. You have. Where do you go? uh, We went to the one in Woodland Hills. Where's that? Um, the valley? Uh, yeah, it's way out in the valley. Like out, it's out the 101, but um, you know, uh, up towards, you just cross the 405 and keep going. How long did it take? Um, it took us like 30 minutes to get there. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. But uh, but I really liked it. Did you not like it? I did like it. In yeah. fact, I'm going to write that down. Woodland Hills. Yeah. Oh, man. It was really nice. What's it called? It was called, I think it's called the L.A. Float Clinic. Or yeah. L- L.A. F- LA Floats. Okay. L.A. Floats. Oh, let's do it. But, um, oh, man, it was really cool. Like, uh, 
I, I'm into that. I'm yeah. into stillness and yeah. talking about hummingbirds and stuff. I actually just yesterday was getting gas and, and uh, over here on uh, Sunset oh, what did Junction. You uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm getting gas and I look at these trees and I just had this moment of thinking like before this city was here, it was all those trees. There was like a huge family of these trees, but I'm looking at like the four remaining trees and they were just, the real word is glorious, like yeah. hummingbird style, looking at them when you really focus, like drugs can help you get that sort of focus, the cliche of staring at your hands. Yeah. But I like to say you should be staring at your hands and you should be looking at the subtle movement in an invisible breeze of the leaves on a tree that used to be in a forest of trees while you're getting gas. The absurdity of that moment is so gorgeous. So I'm right there with you. I thought I would like sensory uh, deprivation tanks more than I do, but I might not be good at them yet. Well, it's hard. I actually thought, I think that it is really challenging. Yeah. And in in, in again, this sounds, and not, I'm not knocking Joe Rogan, but, uh, but he, well, he takes drugs and goes into them. I think that would be pretty hard. Yeah. Like that would be, I, I think that would be hard. I think it would be really hard because it's hard enough to sit in there with yourself. Yeah. Just yourself. You yeah. Because uh, the ones I went to, they're like these pods and it's, it's like a kind of a big clamshell <laughs> just so you don't feel, it's not very like claustrophobic, yeah. but you, they have lights so you can cycle through different lights or you can leave on whatever lights that you want. And then they have music if you want to listen to music too. Like they have all kinds of interesting re- relaxing music. But I wanted to just go total blackout, total yeah. nothing. That's what I did. And, you know, the the water is the same temperature as your body. The air is the same temperature as your body. So you really are floating. It, you're gone. Yeah. You I would get a couple moments where I'm like, am I in outer space? You know, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, a totally little did. jolt away. But, um, but it is hard. It's hard to, because your brain is not used to that. And so your brain is like scanning, scanning, scanning for something. Right. And then it starts. Well, it's always constructing reality. Yeah. It's looking at you. It's like, remember the dress? The dress that everybody was like, what color yeah, is your yeah, dress? Yeah. And then everybody's like, oh, the reason people see different things is because your brain prioritizes different colors and constructs a different reality for you than it does for me. Are we in Deepak Chopra looking for that body right now? Yeah. But I'm just saying, when you shut all that away, your brain, who uses so much of its RAM to just make reality for you. I'm saying re- reality is there, but I'm saying it's making the image of it and the feeling of it and the perspective of it. And your attitude towards it. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. And it, exactly. That's a big, uh, there's this thing called A Course in Miracles. And the big thing in A Course in Miracles is when I see this desk, I'm not really seeing a desk. I'm seeing my past associations with a desk. You know what I mean? Like I kind of have a memory of the desk. I have yeah. thoughts and feelings about the desk. So I'm not really seeing it for just what it is, which is just, you know. $300 desk. Mm-hmm. Very At good. At least $300. <laughs> More than $300. So when we can shut that down... And, you know, it's not true. People, I, I always point out that, like, it's not true that you only use 15, 20% of your brain. That's just not true. Like, yeah. people, but we keep, we just watch Limitless. That's in the first act. We, I watched, uh, what's the Scarlett Johansson movie where she gets Under, to use... Under the Skin? No. No. Uh, uh, Lucy. Lucy. All of these movies about people that get to use 100% of their brain. Yeah. We're all using 100% of our brain, just not all at once. But then the idea of when you can shut out the idea of stimulation, visual, audio stimulation, you are just left... With your brain, and what happened? Well, what happened to me, I think it's different for different people. It's got to be different for everyone. I think it's different for dudes. Girls are just thinking about, like, cake recipes. Yeah, their periods. <laughs> um, 
Men are like planning bridges. And yeah, I gotta build some skyscrapers. <laughs> Cash draws. <laughs> um, I think that like uh, the first, I've gone twice in in the span of a few days. I'm gonna go now that I because Dude. the one in Venice, the parking is a nightmare. You oh, need the is, tank after you look for this the This is really easy parking. Easy. Yeah. I'm gonna go today. Um, um, dude, so, so fun. fun. But um, it is, so, you know, the first thing that happens is you become very aware of what you're doing. You're like, oh, this is weird. Why am I doing this? You, uh, for me, I felt yeah, kind of, of self-conscious. Like, what am I doing here? What am I really doing? And then you start thinking about everything in your life and just all of the work and uh, projects. And then I start thinking about my family and I start thinking about my marriage, start thinking about all this stuff. And then after a while, I just, I try to just like kind of wash all that away. Like just let that go. Let Hopefully that go. your brain gets a little bit tired. Well, of it. Like, that's Hopefully. what happens. Yeah. I think that's what happens. At least to me is your brain just sort of exhausts itself. Right. And it's, it's like, <sighs> and then it's just like, wah, wah. because if we are looking at it like a computer, usually worried and being worried and being preoccupied is like, let's say you have a hundred megabytes of Ram. Maybe it's 20 megabytes of Ram and 80 is, is, you know, everything else. Yeah. And now you have a hundred megabytes of Ram and you have 80 free. Yeah. And then it's very boring to just focus on those 20 so you can run that program faster. Yeah. And so I think that's what happens is that, um, and then I tried to, I try to just like not think, like to consciously just like not think, just like try to just go as deep as you can into whatever it is inside of you. And that is really hard yeah. because it depends on where, what you're coming into it with. Like if you were in a traffic jam and you got in a cell phone, a weird fight on the phone yeah. and then you got there, like you would have a different experience. But if you got there and were able to just kind of like yeah. let everything go and just like, you know, it's not scary or anything. It's just yeah. like, well, what am I going to be thinking about? What am I going to be pondering? So if you can kind of just like, allow yourself to either not think about anything, which I think is really cool. You do just sort of go into this void of like, Oh wow. What is all? And what am I? What am I? Where am I? Well, here's what's crazy. You're not behind your eyes. That's, that's one of the things that's been melting my brain lately. We all think of ourselves as being right behind our eyes because that's where our head and stuff is. But when you go into complete darkness and silence, you realize you're not your eyes or your ears. Well, it made me think that we are not even this body at all. There you go. You are just in. Will you high five that? Come on. Oh, <laughs> reluctant high five. It's so reluctant. Um, but it does, like, you know, it, I'm sure that it is just a function of how long you're in there. Like, we went for an hour and a half both times. And, like, nice. like at, at about an hour, that's when I felt like, okay, now we're getting into something pretty serious. I'm glad to hear that because I did it for an hour. And I think one, to the people that are listening that might do this, which is a good number of them, I bet. Is the idea that like I would get in there and I knew it was an hour, so then I start playing the has it been an hour yeah, game because yeah, yeah. I don't want to get startled well, by the. I did that guy. at an hour and a half because you're thinking, how long have I been? In? Have I been in here? Thirty minutes? Have I been in here an yeah. hour? Mm-hmm. Is it all, is it almost over? So an hour and a half seemed about the right amount of time where I didn't feel like I had to get up and go to the bathroom or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know, you don't have that sensation anyway because you're just floating, you're just waiting. Right. But um, so. Anyway, when... The, so you're wondering, I'm not even my body. Yeah, so it just occurred to me like, oh, this is not us. Like, that is not us. You I know, wanted I to high-five you again. So. I, like, I don't think it is. <laughs> like, I just... You feel like there is got to be a soul. Yeah. You know, in people. Like, you have to... Yeah. Consciousness, at the very least, let's call it consciousness. Like yeah, you yeah, felt, yeah, without putting a religious thing I on understand. it. And, and, if, and, and but you do feel like essence. There is something, soul essence, consciousness. something at the core of 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 human existence where you think, you hope 
that there is this essence or soul or yeah. something like that. And yeah. it does make you think about that. So I just tried to like really like kind of see like, oh, where would this go? Like you really get into like yeah. this. But th there's also, it should be said that you are in a solution that is, uh, it is exactly like being in the womb. Yeah. You know? And that's what it is. So you feel very nurtured. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot going on there too, where you feel like, oh, I'm in my mama's womb and everything is safe and whatever. Well, fetuses are constantly dreaming, which is weird because they've had no life experience, but they what can scan their, that, that's what I'm saying. So they're just dreaming Hamburgers, about. Hamburgers. Ribs. I want some burgers. Their mom's ribs. I want some tit. <laughs> I don't know what titty is, but I know I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. Uh, but that's sort of going back to that pure essence place yeah. that yeah. when you look at a child, they're so much closer. It's kids that are looking at, you know, to be honest, I spent some time today. I was sitting at the dining room table and I was just kind of pondering how preposterous this is. That I tell my arm to move and it moves. Yeah. Not high. Just just having a rate. Why do we have to be high? Why do we put that aside to be like, yeah. that's drug talk. Yeah. You're saying take away everything and you can go like, I think at my core, I've bought into the illusion that this is robbed. That yeah. that leg yeah. is robbed. Yeah. When really every good mystic, every good religious leader, every anybody that changed the world... Uh, in that way was always pointing you to the idea that that's an illusion that you're we're, that we're you know it's such a cliche but I love this quote not human beings having a spiritual experience or spiritual beings having a human experience so we're in these meat puppets yeah. to quote the band we're in these shitty meat puppets yeah exactly yeah. or to quote Duncan Trussell we're inside of these spaceships that decay that expire yeah. and that's why he's like wouldn't you want to lick fuck taste eat do everything you can because you were transported to this solar system to this planet at this time it's like one of his best motivational speeches wow. he's ever given me he's like your, your ship is falling apart go smell some flowers it doesn't have to be drugs Go eat some ribs. It doesn't have to be anything. It can be what you want to do. Yeah. But you're only here. Your ship only lasts so long. Well, yeah. I mean, it does seem to me that like, the, I don't know, maybe it's, you know, people have different experiences. Like I went on YouTube and there were some, there were like a couple girls I noticed did not like girls had a harder time. And I don't know whether it's just because girls think harder than guys. And oh, in the tanks. Um, yeah, this was just a thing. These are just random people on YouTube talking about the first time they did it. Yeah. Know? And uh, and so people put their experiences on there. But so a couple girls I just noticed were like, yeah, I was not relaxed. I was like thinking too much, you know. Yeah. So I think it just depends if you can just be totally still I don't, and just see what that is. And yeah. I think I think it's actually better if you go in with like no expectations. Yeah. If you think you're going to go in there and have some revelation about your life or yeah. anything or you're going to hallucinate or right. you're not, you know. Right. But uh, it's at the very least crazy relaxing. Yeah. And at the very least really good for your body. I think that your body just sort of regenerates. Yeah. And, and obviously very good for your mind to just kind of scrub itself. Right, right, right. I'm going. Yeah. I tried to meditate in there and found it very, very difficult to meditate, which you think, I think that's a little bit counterintuitive. But for me, a lot of my own meditation practice is being in touch with my body. Oh, okay. Which is funny. This is again Eckhart Tolle, who I'm constantly quoting. Please forgive me, everybody listening. But it's the idea that he's like, you can have out-of-body experiences. And he's like, and maybe it would even like help you believe in something bigger. But he's like, your, your true salvation is going to come from owning that you're in your body and like owning your experience. Yeah. So part of his practice, I'll save you four hours of reading that book, uh, some of the more practical tips is he's like, 
always try and keep some of your awareness in your body. And it actually has a real calming effect. We, we give all of our energy out. Yeah. Like, which lane should I be in? Why is this guy yelling at me? Which invitation should we have? But if you can keep just 10% of your awareness or just, you know, it doesn't have to be soul, just your awareness in your heart or in your stomach or even in your foot. It doesn't matter. It kind of does keep you a little bit grounded. Yeah. So when I'm in the tank, I can't do that. That's interesting because I don't meditate because uh, I just don't think I have the the patience or or discipline to actually do it. I feel like I wouldn't be that great at it. So this was the for my first exposure to yeah. something like that. Yeah. Where, where I did feel like, oh, it's great. I felt like, oh, this is what meditation I yeah. think would be like if yeah. you were really good at it. What about a good sesh with the chronic? Have you ever had like um, a nice moment in with the, that? In the float tank or just in general? No, no, no. I just mean like I'm wondering because you experienced transcendence. You yeah. transcended your body. And yeah. even when we talk about it, 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 it loses its luster. It's, yeah. it's one of those beautiful things that this is a Deepak Chopra quote. He says, religion is believing in someone else's spiritual experience. Spirituality is saying, I want to have my own experience, oh, which, which is one of the reasons why I've always been fascinated with the Hare Krishnas and stuff. People laugh when they see them chanting yeah. and, and banging on drums, you know, on the boulevard or Boulevard, oh, you know, the boardwalk. But I'm always like, those motherfuckers are going for it. They yeah. chant for days. They meditate for days. Monks in the mountains meditating yeah. their whole lives. Just right. trying to get to that place and then stay in that place. Yeah. Where when you're getting gas and you see beautiful trees, it brings you to tears. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because you're so connected to the idea that we're stardust and the whole universe had this hand in the production of everything. Like, yeah. the world really is your mother. You really are the, playing out this beautiful play. Uh, of infinity, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just sounds so grandiose. Well, but, so I think so you had a spiritual have, experience. But have I had that with weed, do you mean? I'm wondering if you or had it anywhere else. Mushrooms um, or weed? I, I or... don't think so. I mean, like, you know, I've certainly uh, smoked my share of weed. You know, I tried it uh, several hundreds of times. <laughs> and uh, This is weed laminated. I've been talking about that a lot lately. Because it goes into you fast and it leaves you fast. Oh, that's interesting. That's what I like. I smoke weed and it puts me in a funk for like a month. Uh-huh. <laughs> I drink this and it goes in fast and it leaves me fast. That's the only type of weed I've found that I really like. Hmm. But, um, but you know, for, for me, that's just like, uh, it just sort of allows me to think differently, you know, like, yeah. you know, like I think you sort of look at things a little bit askew yeah. and I think that's really fun and yeah. things are sometimes weird and I think that's really fun. Right. You know? I think that like, I've always liked things that are weird. I think you, you know, most people we yeah. know are, you know, you think that you're a weirdo and, and, uh, that I think helps you think a little bit off, you know. Oh yeah. So being funny is so close to me to being uh, what people would call stupid or strange or wrong. It's just like a misinterpretation. And then the the skill of it, the discipline of being a comedian, is seeing when your brain quote unquote misfires. There's so many words that mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. I swear when people talk to me, I see every possible thing they could mean. You know what I mean? You said hand. Do you mean a poker hand? And that's like a stupid thing to think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you going to lend me a hand? Do you mean your hand? Like yeah. so many weird things. And then the discipline of a comedian is to go, here's what 99% of the world hears when you hear that. And here's the other ways you could hear it. And then you kind of delight them by showing them how absurd ordinary life is. Not just linguistically, but with everything. And I think that that can be... If it's left undisciplined uh, or unpracticed, uh, it just you can just seem like a complete loon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But so, I, so I don't know that uh, I've ever had. And like, I've done mushrooms a couple times, but I've never done them. 
I, I've more than a couple times, but I've never done enough. I've been scared, I think, to do like a lot. So I've yeah. never like tripped. I've never hallucinated on anything. Yeah. Um, when I've done mushrooms, I've just felt like, oh, this is amazing. Like, what a great. And then fucking laughing so hard that your ribs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's like, wait, what am I laughing at? Oh, wait. Oh, my God. Right. Is something wrong with me? Am I going crazy? I'm going crazy. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you come back down to it and it's like everything's good again. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I've never had a, um, uh, any, I've never felt like enlightened or transcendent because of any sort of, um, weed or mushrooms. Right. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. D- it, what about sitting still or, or do you, um, I, I've just been, lately been going like, why don't I set more time to just like Mitch Hedberg used to just like, was a big believer in just sitting yeah. and looking at the clouds. It's so hard. You know, to do. It so is hard, hard to do, to but do. you can. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like whenever Val and I come home, we turn on the TV. Yeah. Like not constantly, but like a lot. Yeah. I notice we'll go out, we'll have a fun day, and then we come home and we turn on the TV. Sometimes we sit on the porch, sometimes we kick in the backyard, but for the most part, we just turn on. There's a lot of great TV, but at the same time, you're kind of like, we could. I was in that sunroom, and the people that lived in this uh, house before us had children, and there's kites on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I just sat in that room looking at the kites and just kind of like, imagining what it would be like to trip out looking at those kites and that's so close to what it is like to yeah. just actually trip out it was so fun yeah it's hard it's hard not to like come home and do that like i definitely do i get on the internet all the time and you're yep. just like checking it's like what am i looking for what is it that i'm looking for I'm what looking are you gonna for, find i'm looking for what a mention of myself a yeah. new picture of myself like what right. am I, what why am i interested in these little pings of like what? validation like fucking who cares about Likes that yeah. doesn't mean anything. It's so well, that dumb. goes back to what you uncovered in the tank, right? You got a—I don't mean to correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you got a, a glimpse of your uh, essence, your true self. And then we look at the ego. And my big belief is that when we talk about the devil in in the Christian uh, story or other faiths, we're really talking about the ego, the mind that wants to trick you, that wants to lie. We always call him a liar, a deceiver, mm-hmm. and a thief. And to me, my brain, my egoic brain, is the liar, the deceiver, and the thief. He's stealing my presence. He's telling, he's lying to me saying, go look at your app mentions. And maybe somebody's going to say, oh, you look like you have a huge dick and your comedy is genius. And People say that to you? No, no. But like, he's lying to me maybe, maybe today, maybe yeah. today. You know, so he's stealing, he's lying, and all, all that sort of stuff. So to me, it, one of our jobs as humans is in every moment, including this one, is to reconnect to that center that sometimes it takes deprivation in the tank to touch, but find little hacks and little techniques that help us go, let's keep the TV off. Like, yeah. let's, like let's just look at the sun coming in while I'm doing the dishes. Because it's enough. If you got a death sentence, if I was like, you're going to die in a week. Am I going to die in a week? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you would look at that sunlight with new eyes. Yeah. But instead, we're just like, we're in this world... We buy into society, we buy into country, we buy into relationships, yeah. we buy into faith, we buy into money, uh, the idea of pleasure coming from these different things. And to a certain extent, we are brainwashed when really, going back to every great mystic, these were all lunatics that were like, fuck all your possessions, yeah. just sit down and be still. Well, it's hard. I mean, I know that in, in some part of my brain, I'm chasing this uh, thing that doesn't exist. I'm chasing a, uh, a point in time where I will have the perfect amount of blank. I will have the perfect right. amount of money, and my house will be the way I want it, and right. my relationships will be the way I want it. And it's like, that will never coincide, right. ever, ever, ever. Like, it's just, it won't. But yep. so you, but you 
think that uh, it will. You know, you think, well, I... Man. Well, that's the big lie. That's yeah. the big lie that your ego, who wants to continue to exist, says, Rob Hubel exists. And, and I mean, you exist, but I'm saying Rob Hubel, in quotes, exists as long as he's making things, as long as his name is in the credits. It's easy for our job to point out just how much we're perpetuating the idea that we are a thing. Yeah. But then I also catch, and maybe you do this too, the idea that I'll do enough work that at a certain point later, I can fully devote myself to the true bliss of life. But for now, I'd like to have uh, a sub-zero fridge and an uneasy chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you think that, you know, it's just that rising tide of expectations. And it will never, ever stop. You know, you just, if you get... If you get this, then you're going to want that. And if you get this, that's then you're right. going to want that. And that's how I've been my whole life. So I know that at this point, like, oh, that is how life is. Like, right. I know that I will always want more of this, and then I'm going to want more, and then I'm going to want more. So I don't know what the answer is. I mean, like, that's the the struggle of life is to figure out, like, well, what is the what works for you and what makes you feel like you are um, not hurting the world, you yeah. Know? And like you're you're doing the enough of connecting with other people and connecting with other, uh, you know, the beauty all around us, right? Where you feel like, oh, I'm in balance, you know. That's right. I don't know that, but that's that's the a struggle. Okay, so what does every mystic say to that? And everybody listening knows probably where I'm going because I can't say this enough. Is this what you talk about every week on your yeah, show? Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. This isn't. I, I love comedy bang bang, but this isn't comedy bang. We, yeah. we like talking about this sort of yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love comedy bang bang. I, I just mean like I didn't want you to do a, a character or whatever. Yeah. Was the idea that like postponing your happiness and everybody listening is either nodding or turning this off because they've heard it. It doesn't matter. I can't say it enough. We're all going... Like, my dog got sprayed by a skunk last night. Right? An idiot. What an idiot. What a fucking dummy. I mean, I said in plain English, don't go don't over do there. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I think I... Well, my dogs have been sprayed, like, twice each. So, like, That's a crazy. total of four skunks have sprayed me and my dogs. You and well, your dog. not me, but, like... A they, little bit. At night, they pull off the... You know, you're walking them, and sometimes they'll see them before I do, and they'll just, like, pull off the leash. Yeah. And a skunk to a dog is like, oh, I bring a flashlight now at night because they run from light, I think. Oh, yeah. So if you shine under cars and stuff a little bit, on a, our, our street is really dark, so yeah. there's a lot of gay activity, prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I bring the light. I think that helps. I've seen them run before. Yeah. So that's so my. He got sprayed last night. He got sprayed. So, okay, perfect example. I, I, I don't like it, but the older I get, I do get a little bit more curmudgeon. I used to be like, even sweeter. You know, I'm not not to call myself sweet, but I used to be like a lot more go with the yeah, flow. I think, yeah. and now I'm just kind of like I'll get annoyed. Like the do- I'm on my way to a show, the dog got sprayed by a skunk. I can't fucking deal with this right now. So then I start doing with what I'm talking about here, which is postponing my happiness. When I've washed him three times and he no longer smells like skunk, and we've aired out the house. Then I'll be happy. Yeah. When the real answer, and you know this, and every, again, every mystical teacher has said this, it's that moment is going like, this is the moment, dealing with the dog being... Because or, everything else is an illusion. Every, the future is, that's right. is a fantasy, and the past is a myth. Like John, uh, Jack Cornfield says the past... Assume, okay, so Brody got sprayed by a dog yesterday, uh, skunk yesterday, but that's gone. 
that's gone. This is the only moment. The person in front of you is the most important person in the world. That's another, that's a D.P. Chopes quote. That idea of being right in the moment, not going, this is the example I always use. When this plane lands, I can't wait to get in the cab. Then I can't wait to get home. Then I can't wait to shower. Then I can't wait to nap. Then I can't wait to get a drink. Then I can't wait to eat. Then I can't wait to go to bed. It's like you're always chasing the next thing. Just go like, no, I'm on an airplane now. Yeah. And try and open yourself up to that awareness. It's so hard. It's really hard. It's so hard. The thing too, I think that factors into this equation is that we don't know how much time we have. Like I assume that I have the luxury to be a dick to someone in traffic because I'm going to live to be fucking 90 years old, bro. I can do whatever I want. I could fucking get smashed by a bus tomorrow, which would be hilarious. And, you know, you just don't... (laughs) But the moment after you're an asshole, that's funny. There is a certain invincibility and an immortality to going like, fuck you, asshole. You think you're going to live long enough to exonerate yourself from that. Yeah, and to kind of get over it and feel bad about it and then eventually learn not to do that. Or being rude to your parents on the phone. Anything. Anything anything at all. But like, but anything but what you're talking about. Like, if you're talking about like really like... Like living for this moment. That's so hard because if you think, okay, well, I gotta do, I could do that if, if I had cancer and I was gonna die in six months. I could right. do that. I could enjoy every moment. But, you know, everyone assumes, like, oh, I'm gonna live for so long. So how am I gonna That's enjoy every moment? You I've know? never considered that people are like, there's just too much time <laughs> yeah. to consider all that. Well, I just think that if you knew that your days were numbered, and I'm not saying that I hope that I get cancer. So right. They, but they are. That, that's the crazy thing is we're all living with a death sentence. We're all on death row, I believe. Yeah, but you just don't know when it is, you know. So you think that, like, oh, I I can tell this person I love them later. I can do, you know, all of these other things I will get to later. But right now I'm going to get to the hotel. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to get a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard to do that. I mean, I I don't know that I know anyone that has, you know, that has mastered living that way. Mastered, I can't even touch mastered, but you can get better at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing, yeah, I'm not even going to listen to other episodes of this podcast (laughs) if you want my advice on how to hack yourself into the moment. But there are are, are little things that you can do. Yeah, karate. Karate. Shooting guns. (laughs) uh, Actually, I bet when your brother hunts, I bet he's incredibly in the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you he also lives in a part of the country where there's like a lot of deer around and, you know, people, uh, whatever. Yeah, people. But yeah, I think that. But if you're covered in deer piss in a pile of leaves. Well, he drinks gun, the deer piss. Yeah, he likes to drink it. So he drinks it. Yeah. He gets on it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I imagine when you do anything like, you know, any anything that is uh, hunting or there's anything, playing music. Yeah. Yeah. Snowboarding, you know, whatever, anything. But these are those are hacks. Yeah, gambling is a thing that will put you exactly in the moment. I mean, I'm not a gambler, but I understand. Here's the river card, and your heart is going to stop. Like everything's in slow motion. Yeah, uh, jumping out of an airplane. Sex for a lot of people, not a lot of artists that I know. Sex will shut everything else down for you and just be like, I'm completely here having sex. So there's there's a lot of what we do is to trick ourselves and to stop thinking about death and put ourselves uh, a less crude way to put that is to put us in the moment. Hmm. Well, we fixed it. We we figured it out. I think, actually, though, this is one of the most encouraging things. I I love this. Uh, Old Ekitol says that noticing you're not in the moment puts you in the moment. Mm -hmm. So if you ever catch yourself going like, God, I'm not even appreciating this moment. 
you, guess what you just did? Like, now you know, and now you're living in that moment. But it's hard to enjoy, like, every... I mean, you know, you might get a it's couple... Exhausting. You might get a couple good moments during the day where it's like, oh, things are enjoyable and feel beautiful. How many yeah. of those do you get in a day? I mean, a lot right. of times you're at work. You're in a cubicle, right. or you're in a meeting, or right. you're on the cell phone call, uh, or you're driving, you know, so it's, like, really hard to be like, things are beautiful. I get it. They're not beautiful. But look at the movie American Beauty. To me, I rewatched that as an adult now that I've kind of done some hold of up? This. I heard that it doesn't hold up. I liked it. Yeah. I think it does hold up because it might have been the lens with which I was looking at it is yeah. that I'm like, the kid with the video camera represents, uh, him and Kevin Spacey both represent kind of waking up, the idea of enlightenment. So he films a plastic bag and he's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I remember, you know, I was pretty young when that came out and thinking that was really fucking stupid. And, you know, it was parodied and all that sort of stuff. But like him and Kevin Spacey's character both kind of realize Kevin Spacey has that moment where he's like, everything is meaningless. This is a cosmic joke. I'm going to smoke weed. I'm going to flip burgers and I'm, I'm just going to work out because yeah. that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then the kid is like filming everything. So even the asinine isn't asinine when you realize it's the only thing that's happening. So you can say, yeah, a lot of people listening to this right now are in their cubicle, and it's the cubicle they were in yesterday, and it's the cubicle they'll be in tomorrow, you know, survival permitting. But when you realize that really the moment is the only thing that's real, so every time you eat breakfast, that's the first time you've had breakfast. That's one of the hacks to help you wake up. Everything else is a memory. Yeah. And a memory is just like a smeared dream. You're just kind of like, I kind of know what my chair looks like. That's why like painting and drawing is, is a that good way. Like a, you would be terrible at like a greeting card company, like in the movie Her. Like you, yeah. I mean, our memories are just smeared dreams. <laughs> like, what the fuck does this card mean? It's just depressing. But they are. It's funny yeah. talking about how you meet stories. Valerie and I have such different accounts of how we met. And you can get sad about that or you can just go... Yeah, well, let me try and be in this moment. And, and it's not about, like, could I close my eyes and describe what you're wearing? Not really. But can, like, we really... I'm wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> I love when you did that on At Midnight. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about Transparent and then at the end, because I really want to talk about that, oh, if, great, if you don't yeah. mind. What oh, a please. great show. Thank you. I, just, I don't have anything to do with it. You sure do. Well, I mean, I have a very small part, but I'm... You don't uh, feel like a small part. And I'm not just saying that because you're my chum. First of all, it wasn't distracting. I call that di- distracting casting. <laughs> you were the right person. Uh, you know what I mean when yeah, you see well, a comedian you. and you're like, it's, listen, what it's are they doing cool there? to... It feels really good to be on a really good show. It's you know? really like, good. Um, like, and I'm only saying that because uh, I don't think I'm really good. I think that the writing is really good and the directing is really good. And yeah. all of the other actors are really good. I think the actors... It depends on the episode. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shows where I'm like, this writing is bulletproof, and the writing on Transparent is, is bulletproof. It's amazing. But the actors make it even better. Yeah, well, they... And a lot of that, I think, is due to the directing, which is invisible, but they... Um, when they're shooting that show, um, they have created on the set this very weird um, environment. And it's... Um, it's very unique to that show anyway, where I haven't felt it anywhere, where it feels like, um, uh, they don't, it's so welcoming. It's Mm. so weird. Like you go there and everyone is very familiar and, um, and the cast like has gotten to know each other very well. And, um, so you, it feels, it doesn't feel like acting almost. In fact, I feel like the episodes I've done, they don't even really say like action or cut or anything like that. They're just like rolling and they're just sort of like, like there've even been times where 
they've said things like, oh, don't even worry about what the script says. Just like, just say whatever you want. Really? And I have a hard time doing that on that show because that show is so well written. It's so grounded and you can't yeah, just I mean, like, like, like at the table reads for that show, like we'll do the table reads and I'll be like, fuck, man, like this script is really solid. So then when you show up to shoot it, you don't want to like, oh, I'm going to improvise some stuff and try to be funny. You don't want to do that, you know? Right, right, right. So, um, but they... It must be intimidating too. It's such a rich place. and, and Yeah, but so, they, so they, they just sort of created this environment on set where you just feel very supported and very, um, and everyone feels that way. And... Except so, Jeffrey Tambor's so, character. Except Jeffrey Tambor. They just beat him down. <laughs> but um, so, so it ends up, I think, sort of in, injecting the performances with a real sort of reality to them. I think it's so funny how quickly I try and do that on this podcast. I haven't had to do it with you. You're very open and lovely. But like sometimes you have to tell people you're in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny the great work you can get done I did that on my talk show in the writer's room. It's like, please pitch your bad jokes. This yeah. isn't going to be the sort of place where people laugh at your bad jokes. Let's get them all out there. Because a good joke is at the end of a road paved with bad jokes. You know, yeah. So like a safe, nurturing environment. Which is actually funny because that's kind of what the show is not preaching, but is kind of uh, promoting yeah. is the idea. If I may, I think it's just brilliant how you think it's going to be about Jeffrey Tambor and like, isn't it weird? Do you, do you wear ladies' deodorant now? Right, it's right. not. Yeah, it's not at He's all. like the calm center of this weird he's storm. The, he's the most normal he's one. The, he's and the, that's what a brilliant choice. Yeah. And, he, and, and, and it was so, you know, I mean, that's a very personal story. That's Jill Soloway's, you know, it's really about her family, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, her dad, you know, um, came out to her, I think, a couple of years ago and just like, you know, it would blow your mind. And, and think of the, for a person that age, you know, that person was like 72 or 70 or something like that mm. to, to say, my whole life has been a lie. Like this, this way of looking and acting and being has been a lie. Mm. And so now at 70 years old or whatever, I'm going to live what I think is my truth. Right. That is... And that's, really? not to force enlightenment back into yeah. it, but it is another way that we understand enlightenment. It's like, sure. I'm done buying into the myth that I am this when yeah. I feel like I'm this. And we love stories like that. Yeah. But so it's one thing for, I mean, it would be very hard for anyone to admit that openly if you were a kid or a teenager or whatever. Um, but to especially live your whole life and get to the, you know, the, the Twilight final is, chapter yeah. of your life and be like, you know what, I'm going to do this the way I feel like right. I should do it. Right. So that happened to her. And so they, you know, sort hmm. of made the show uh, about, um, her family, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, but Jeffrey is just amazing to watch. And, he's so and, cool. And he, you know, I think people that know him from the comedy world are, it's so, um, uh, fulfilling to see someone else do something so well. Like, yeah. oh, this guy is so on it. Right. Like, he's so... And there's parts where they're funny, right? But then he yeah. doesn't do them, and I think you'll know what I mean, he doesn't do them comedy funny. Yeah. He I mean, acts like, like a guy who doesn't know how to do comedy funny. Yeah, I don't think of the show as a comedy, and I don't think a lot of people that watch it do. I mean, it, it, it certainly has some comedy in it, but I remember when I was shooting it, being like, "This is not going to be funny." Yeah. You know? And there, there is a lot of stuff that's funny. I so randomly, but there aren't jokes. Yeah, know? there's, there's never a joke. Like I, um, I, I one time improvised something on the show, and I thought, like, "Oh, that's funny. That'll get in there." And of course, it did not because it was a joke. But like, 
there's a scene where uh, I don't know. This is a little bit of a spoiler if you haven't watched the show, but like there's a scene where I come in to that um, to their dinner. They're having like uh, a, a seder or Passover dinner or something like that, and um, it's the first time I've seen um, yeah Jeffrey's character Mora as Mora and not as Mort. And so I lose my shit because my kids are there, and so right. this is in front of my kids, and I freak out and I start talking like a woman, and we should all cut our dicks off, and I start yeah. you know, wielding a knife around. Well, at the end of that scene, um, Jeffrey says, like, why don't you, know, he's trying to calm me down and, and reach out to me. And he's like, why don't you sit down and have some food? And, um, and I improvise a line. No, thanks. I, I had some Taco Bell. You know, and so, so I walked off and, and, I, and I go back to the, you know, the, you know, the and all the writers, everyone's like, dude, that was so funny. That's hilarious. Blah, blah, blah. And then like, no, I edited it out because like this, this is a very important moment. And I was trying to do what comedians do and like, yeah. let's, I'm a tag it with a joke. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, not really what that show needs. Right. Know? But then, then the scene, and I'm sorry if you get this a lot, but, you know, I've known you for seven years, eight yeah, years, a long time. I, I know we don't hang out very much, but, you know, comedy friends, comedy friends. Yeah. And then I see you in the show, and obviously I'm very happy. I didn't know you were on the show. And then you had, like, a, a legit straight scene, like a sexy scene, where it's also a bit of a spoiler. You have to talk a little bit dirty yeah. and stuff. And you, and you did it. So hard to do, so weird, but uh, super yeah. weird, right? Yeah, but again, like a, a lot of that is because on that show you feel so protected, you know. I, I think really good directors somehow, um, you know, make people because you know you have to do things a lot of times when you're acting. It's like, oh, this isn't really, yeah, I don't feel good doing that. What am I gonna look like doing it? Right? You know, any sort of sex thing is weird. It's like, oh, gross, but. They um, really created that sort of safe place. And, like, we, we right. shot that scene in a laundry room, you know. So it was, like, the DP and, like, me and... and, and so barely there. anybody. Yeah, barely anybody. But the guy that shoots this show, the DP on the show, is, like, this wizard. He is makes everything mm. look awesome. And he's also just a lovely human. And so... He's not just some, like, crew guy that I don't fucking know who's in there. You right, know, right, this right. guy has, like, been there and done all of these things with us. And so I just felt very... Uh, it didn't feel weird to have him there. You know, right. He's just, like, a lovely guy. Right. And so you're doing these very private things, and there's someone literally over your shoulder... Right. ...shooting as you're telling this woman to suck your dick or whatever. Right, right, so, right. Um, so, uh, so a lot of it is just that you, f you feel protected in that little bubble. You know? I think that's great. It's such a great show. I, 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 I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. I think I watched it in three days. Yeah, they're writing uh, the second season now, and then we'll shoot it uh, this summer, like June, yeah. July. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, obviously I think I'm, I'm late to the party here, but that's going to be the thing. After, you know, every, everybody can get married, and after uh, we kind of, like, stop whatever it is uh, I had this I had this thought earlier and I'm trying to recreate it there's a couple issues that are remaining one of them obviously is gay marriage and then it's like and then this is the next sort of thing yeah. but the way that like it was so preposterous then and like maybe the kids on your show grow up kind of knowing somebody like that mm -hmm. that, that is transgendered and all that sort of stuff it's really interesting to think that what what will be what other issues left, will you be able to shine a light on I actually kind of yeah. think that's great for us as a society to be like after people feel like I, I am not this gender I don't identify as this gender and I'm going to be this or like the show addresses I'm going to be transgendered or I'm going to be a transvestite or I'm going to be this or I'm going to be that once we kind of kind of smooth that over 
we're getting a little bit closer to it's a, all, a nicer I think it's place. all sort of like, I look at it as like a yardage on a football field. I don't know why I'm giving you a dumb sports analogy. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, it's just moving the ball forward. You yeah. Know? It's like, and it's not like one show, whatever. You know, it's like, if you see one gay character, the first gay character that was on TV didn't like, Pablo? make everything easy for all other gay people. You know, right. it just doesn't. You know, it just takes years of... Oh, this is this is not uh, this is this is not the end of the world. Everything's going to be fine. We're all people. Right. And everyone wants love. But the, and, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's all people really want is to be loved and to love. And it's like whatever, however many times we have to keep showing that over and over. Eventually, I think uh, you know, and really after whatever, it's it, it, it's just like little kids that are coming up now will have a much better um, you know openness and and. and uh, compassion towards other people, hopefully not because of this show. I mean, I right. mean just no, in general, the more impressions you can have on like, um, you know, people coming up the next generation or whatever, as they're in, maybe it's not till they get to college or whatever. And then they feel like, Oh yeah. Um, you know, I had a gay friend in college, you know, like, yeah, the more people can relate to something that, and see that it does just come down to being yeah, loved and yeah, feeling loved. Yeah. I think that's interesting. One of my favorite, it's a rabbinical. I like that word, meaning it comes from rabbis. Are you Jewish, by the way? No, are you? Because on the show, I can't tell if you're playing a Jewish fella. Um, I, that's I'm a, not Jewish, but That's brother. a great question. Um, I think that... Let me see. I'm Len Novak. Yeah, I think I'm Jewish on the show. Yeah, because you, you rock a pretty big yarmulke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the big ones. Yeah. One of they, like, had to, they had to give me the biggest one. <laughs> XXL, ladies. That's right, ladies. This yarmulke's XXL. <laughs> Someone at some point has put a yarmulke on the tip of their erect penis. That's happened. I'm sure that's happened a million times. If you can think it, it's happened. Yeah. Uh, my thought is the rabbinical teaching is an all-knowing God is an all-forgiving God. And sometimes these shows help us go, oh, here's a guy that maybe even in a worst case scenario, I would harass. I'd go like, get out of the woman's room. Yeah. Like that, yeah. That's a very sad scene in the show. And then you see the story and you understand. So I, I really, people love going like, well, what about Hitler? I'm like, everybody. Can we just say everybody? It, we're talking about God. We're talking about an all not an all-knowing uh, man in the sky, but consciousness, the whole thing, the, the, the whole universe would understand everybody and wouldn't judge anybody, even though there are certainly evil things you can do. Uh, but I, that brings us nicely, and we only have 10 minutes. We touched on it. Well, you know, we don't really only have 10 minutes, but if we're going to hit two hours on the nose, we talked a little bit about God. I remember you saying that you were like kind of like a regular, like you associate yourself as a as a Christian or a believer. Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up um, going, you know, my mom sort of uh, grew up in the church, I guess, you know. And, what kind? Uh, she grew up in the, I think the Presbyterian church, because that's what we went to. But I think it's all your exposure. Maybe your dog is going crazy out there. <laughs> your, dog's, your dog's fucking that skunk. <laughs> he wishes he could. He loves that smell. Um, but I think that it's all your um, exposure to stuff and how things... Uh, like I had, when I was little, we went to this Presbyterian church and it was just very like... It was like a cool church, you know? Like we just didn't have... Like the guy that was the minister was like very loose and liberal and like very um, welcoming. And so that was my sort of um, connection with church. Like I thought like, oh, these people are very nice. And, and when, my, How old were you? Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, just we would go occasionally, you know, when I was growing up. Like, oh, okay. we didn't go like every single Sunday. But, yeah. You know, like, my mom, uh, you know, I have two brothers. So it's three boys. It's hard to get three boys in the car to go to church, you know. But we would go occasionally. 
And like, it just wasn't a negative thing. So I didn't have a negative association with, with religion. And it wasn't introduced to you as like, you're going to burn in hell. It was more no, like, I'm not, a cool dude. Really? Yeah. He's got was, a Rubik's cube. Yeah. It was more like, yeah, it was more like there's a really cool guy up in the sky and you know, he loves you. And you know, and so certainly my belief system has evolved and, um, in some ways become more vague yeah. as it has evolved, you know, like you, you sort of grow up with the, there's a bearded man in the sky that loves me. And when I die, if I'm good, I go up here. And if I'm bad, I go down there. Well, yeah. you know, that's what little kids believe. But, um, but anyway, as you grow up, things change and expand and whatever. And, you know, you, uh, I certainly, um, I just believe in a, uh, in a higher, consciousness and a power and a creator and and i don't know all the answers i don't know right. you know like if you ask me specifics about like do i believe this sometimes i'm like oh gosh i don't know i yeah. don't know about that but i like to believe that there is a creator and i don't know that like that this force guides you every single day and you know that well, you, you should be asking like what should i eat for breakfast god right. you know right but i think that um it's good to reflect on those things and figure it out for yourself or figure out what your own truth is, you know. I think it's interesting. Even the the current Dalai Lama and uh, Buddha and Christ, they all told stories. Yeah. Because these, these things, like your experience in the, in the tank, that you can't articulate. Yeah. As soon as they happen in this part of the brain, as soon as you send it to your language center, it's like carrying a beautiful wet rock from the ocean back to your towel. It's dried up and it doesn't look good anymore. Yeah. So I understand when we, I used to have such a hard heart to the idea, oh, you believe there's a man in the sky and you're good. And like, but that's just an entryway. It's a gateway drug into true mysticism or true spirituality. Yeah. Going like, here's a basic way to understand. Like I used to think about like up, right? God's above us. Well, above is, it, there is no ultimate up. There is no up. Up right now is down for China. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so when I point to God or you, you, shoot, a, <laughs> you shoot a free throw and you point up, you could point in any direction because if you look at the universe, there is no such thing as up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then I started thinking, I was like, of course you would explain God as being up because if you wanted to see all of Jerusalem, you'd climb a mountain. Mm -hmm. So the thing that was high up understood and saw what? Everything. Mm -hmm. So it was this idea of a thing that was everything and was everywhere, but instead that got kind of homogenized and turned into the idea of up. So when someone dies and we say... You're talking about the cartoon movie Up. A little bit. Well, they deal with death. They deal with some heavy issues. So sad. I know. It makes me cry. And if it doesn't, you're the Terminator robot. Go find and kill Sarah Connor. <laughs> but the idea that like when we say someone passes you, go say hi to Uncle Billy up there. That we just that's just another way of saying everywhere. He's yeah. gone back into the the ether. Yeah. But that's not as satisfying to say. So I, I you didn't ask, but I was compelled to say the idea that uh the bearded man in the sky, which I used to have so much disdain for him now, like, no, that's just another parable. That's just another myth that helps you maybe be interested in God or not. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that people, I think it's so personal. Like, I, I, sometimes I don't even, you know, like to talk about it because people have so many associations and such strong right. opinions that you're not going to win. You're not going to convince anyone. And right. That is not my job. I, I don't want to convince anyone of anything. Um, but, yeah, it's just such a personal thing that I, I think that, um, I don't know, I think it's good to ponder. I think it's good to try to think about and, yeah. and I'm not going to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out, but whether or not I figure it out doesn't change the existence or non-existence of, mm. of 
uh, of a higher power. You know, like whether or not I believe in God doesn't change the existence of God. This is a good one. This is a poster on my desk. What does that say? God is a metaphor for a mystery that absolutely transcends all categories of all human categories of thought, including being and non-being, wow. which is what you just said. His be- God's being or God's non-being. Yeah, like this is like this idea, this inkling. This kind of hum somewhere in us that goes, I think something more is going on here, and but you can't even you can't even touch it. So we use metaphors yeah. like God, religion, spiritual things like Christ, like Buddha, to help us kind of understand those and, un- understandable. And, and, and listen, you can be totally wrong. Maybe we are just the uh, you know we have evolved and we are the you know we were on this planet that happened to have the right combination of chemistry and environmental uh, components that life as we know it could exist and yeah. flourish and then humans could evolve and then maybe we're just at this point in time where you and I just happen to cross paths and then we're creatures and then we just die and then that's it. And it's right. just like, I don't remember anything before I was born. There's right. just nothing before I was born. So maybe it's... And that's it's, where you go. Yeah. And yeah. the instant I die, maybe there's just nothing right after that. I understand. But it it, it is... Interesting to contemplate. What if there's not that? Right. You know, what if there is something else? Well, that's usually my, my next question, and, and you certainly don't have to have the answer. I don't expect you to, but what do you think? You've lived a full life. You got to that not place. That full. No, I'm, oh, saying, oh. You're, I'm saying you're 95. Yeah. You've done everything. You did it. You got to that place monetarily, familially, all the different ways. Yeah. You are a satisfied Rob Hugel, and I, and I say, in 30 minutes, you're going to die. How do you feel? Are we afraid of judgment? Are we looking forward to smearing into oblivion? Um, wow, that's really hard. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you can only... My dad is like 84 right now. And, you know, you just see how really like life is so... It's The human body is so cruel. It, it is all so cruel because as good as I feel right now, it's, I'm a ticking time bomb and everything is going to fall apart, you know? So my dad, I can see like his mind is starting to get a little bit, you know, he's just forgetful and, and, you know, has a hard time coming up with some words sometimes. And so you just see like, Oh, we're all going there. Yeah. But, um, so all I can do is theorize. I mean, like, would I be afraid of death? I don't think so. I hope not. I mean, only because, like I said, I don't remember anything before I was born. Well, that's what Dana Carvey said on the show. He goes, where were you during the Renaissance? Which yeah. I loved. Wow. Isn't that good? But, um, and so I, you know, it could just be absolutely nothing. You know, there is no consciousness at all. Maybe it's just nothing. Right. Um, maybe there is some consciousness. Maybe there is some sort of higher consciousness that you, um, return to, return to, you know, but I don't know. The only thing that, that would be, that would give you, um, not fear, but like you would just, you know, you're going to miss some things that were, that were like, Oh, I could have, I wish I had done more of this. I wish I had done more of that. You know, I'm looking something up. I am not looking at my phone. Um, (laughs) but you know, you just feel like, Oh, I'm, I, I wish that I had spent more time doing this or I never tried to do this. I wish that I had tried to do more of this. And, um, man, it's gotta be, you know, the only thing that you can hope is that you've given yourself every opportunity to try everything that you wanted to try. Yeah. What if you didn't? What if you don't? What don't if you trust the spaceship? You know, what if you don't do that? What if you're just like, fuck, I should have tried this. And then, you know, you just never got the chance to, or you never made the, yeah. you never had the courage to try it, you know? So I don't know. I just hope that that's my only hope is that like, I hope I tried everything I wanted to try, you know? I love that. Can I, um, this is the thing that you made me think of yeah. a couple thoughts ago. 
about the human body being cruel. I love it. Um, This is Joseph Campbell. The problem is in middle life, when the body has reached its climax of power and begins to decline, is to identify not with the body, which is falling away, but with the consciousness of which it is a vehicle. There is something I have learned from myths. What am I? Am I the bulb that carries the light, or am I the light of which the bulb is a vehicle? One of the psychological problems in growing old is the fear of death. People resist the door of death. But this body is a vehicle of consciousness, and if you can identify with the consciousness, you can watch the body go like an old car. There goes the fender, there goes the tire, one thing after another, but it's predictable. And then, gradually, the whole thing drops off, and consciousness rejoins consciousness. It's no longer in this particular environment. Holy cow. Isn't that a good one? Yeah, that's, but, uh, yeah. How that's do you do impossible. that? <laughs> yeah. So well, he hard. was an old man when he, when he said that. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but I mean, it's like, it's like said, Tuesdays just, with Maury shit. Yeah, but just like your ego would be like, oh, my fucking body. That's right. I used to be able to run and jump. Believe me, man. I'm Play electric up. guitar and fuck pussies. <laughs> Can't do it anymore. Um, yeah, it'd be hard to age so gracefully. And, Have you read and, Tuesdays with Maury? Uh, no, it's it's really good. It's about a dying guy that kind of has that attitude. He's yeah. like, "What are you going to do? This is this is the ride we either signed up for or, did, or yeah. got thrown into. I'm not sure which." Yeah, but I didn't mean to minimize your concerns. I have all of those concerns, and your father's concerns will be mine. You know, hopefully. Oh, every listen. If you're lucky, like if you're yeah, if you're lucky, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Otherwise, you you know you die before, and people think that's sad. You yeah. Know? Um, I think it just depends on like when you die. Louis C.K. has a great bit about like, you know, like I'm at the age where like if I die now, it's not that sad. Right, like, right, right, right. Well, he had a, you know. He had a good run. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, it's good stuff, man. Do you feel good? Do you feel satisfied? With the this podcast? podcast? Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like this is very personal. This is all like so personal. It's so funny that you get people to open up like this. <laughs> Well, it's, Am I allowed to put my pants back on? <laughs> I've been sitting here nude. It feels good, and I always say this. No one ever uh, wants anything out. You you didn't say anything that should come out, I, I feel. But if you want to listen to it or have your wife listen to it, it's totally fine. Oh, I think it's fine. I don't think I said anything too bad. No, I thought you were great. But you'll have what I call the, the you made it weird uh, phenomena of I wake up regularly at 4 a.m. going, why did I, not on this one, but why did I tell that story of like, getting bullied or, yeah. or like something really embarrassing yeah but for what it's worth man I, I think you're so funny I should have said this up top so you felt really comfortable <laughs> you're so funny thanks man I've loved you since the you know Human Giant days and, and when that was just a live show at UCB yeah. and uh, it's great to see where you're going and I, I look forward to more great stuff well I'm a fan of yours and of uh, your house and your dog <laughs> thanks you he smells real bad he smells really bad right now <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks for opening up. And uh, would you say keep it crispy? It's just how we end. Keep it crispy. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, man. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com.